Jesse, aka the Bizzle. The Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, Bizzle casters, welcome to Bizzlecast one zero five. I am back again with everybody's favorite Australian nerd, Brittany Howarth, aka Brick Girl. Brick Girl, thank you for joining me on kind of a special day today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So it's my birthday, and I'm not a big birthday person. Um, I'm not a big presents person. I don't like having to pressure of buying presents for people. I feel guilty about other people buying presents for me. I wish we'd stop buying presents all the time. That's just my personal opinion, unless it's like... Consumerism! Consumerism. It's the forced present buying is the problem. Like, if I'm traveling to Israel, and I think of one of my best friends and buy him a necklace, like, that's a meaningful present, and, like, I want to spend money on that. But, you know what I mean? Like, being forced to do it. So, I don't like when other people buy me presents. So, what does Brittany do? Brittany goes out, and she does what you should do, which is something meaningful, and it doesn't have to have a dollar value on it but Brittany, this is I, I can't even put a dollar value on it <laughs> listeners out there if you've listened to even one Bizzlecast, or even if you've never listened to a Bizzlecast, but you follow me on twitter or facebook like all my friends make fun of me for how obsessed i am with jessica jones and to, i mean it's a good obsession it's a great obsession mm-hmm. and to be fair and i think well you know this for sure about me by now but even friends that don't listen to the podcast or haven't been on the podcast they realize it's the show i'm obsessed with with and the you know, character from the comics, even though I love Kristen Ritter and think she's amazing and gorgeous and everything, but you know, it, it's really the show that I love. Um, and so, you know, people people seem to realize that. I think that comes across to you for sure because we've talked about it mm. so much. So she sends me the uh, you know the classic purple background Jessica Jones Netflix poster with with the very distinct Jessica Jones font for her name that comes from the 2001 Brian Michael Bendis comic and she replaces Jessica with Jesse J E S S C of course they call Jessica Jesse sometimes but uh, so it says Jesse Jones. And Brittany found a picture of me wearing my kafia like a scarf in the same exact way as Kristen Ritter's wearing it and Jessica Jones. Brittany, we have so much to talk about today, but I want to personally thank you again in public for this and would be really curious how you made this happen from a technical standpoint. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked it. Um, what I did is when you were like, oh, it's my birthday, I was like, ah, oh, got to quickly do something. So, um, I just looked up Jessica Jones posters and I found one that I liked. And apparently, recently, I have this obsession with purple. I don't know why. Uh, because it's, it's probably the best Jessica color. Jones and, and, and Batgirl. Best color. Um, <clears throat> and then. Dark blue what purple I did is the best. Yeah, go ahead. Is I took that into Photoshop mm-hmm. and I had tried to do this thing where you can. Um, it's like a smart background filler, so you can delete a section of it and the program will fill it in, but it didn't work. Almost so like a reverse up, um, green screen kind of thing? Sort of. It takes everything that's around the area that you deleted and pulls it into the center, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't work. So, I actually ended up having to build it from scratch. So, I think it's Seattle that I used, the city image, uh, brought in a couple of green screen smokes, uh, color overlaid with different tones of purple. Um, I found your picture, and I didn't even make the connection with the um, what did you call it? Your scarf? The it's a kafia. It's the thing kafia. that the Arabs in the Middle East wear on their head, but also around their yeah. neck. Yeah, yeah. So I just I just thought it looks cool. It added nice texture. So, um, and it was the the best picture because you have so many photos with your I guess your nephews and and all that. So, so you found that on to, Facebook? Yeah, I, I just stole it off Facebook. Oh. Just. 
The kefia um, is a very useful thing because just like they end up repurposing Jessica's scarf to be Matt Murdock's mask. You look stupid. (laughs) Well, the thing is, when you're hiking, your scarf. Yeah, when you're hiking in the desert in 110 degree weather, you especially with my complexion, you want to cover your face and neck. Oh, I get that. And it's worth being a little extra hot from the material. It's actually very light material. It's l- but lighter than normal cotton. It's a very thin weave, but it's but it's um, there's numerous layers, and so you can wear it as a scarf. You can wear it over your head, and it it really makes a big difference. Obviously, it's, you know, emblematic of the Middle East. And I, I've had more than one political discussion to come out of the fact of Jewish guy wearing a kafia. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh, that's it was, true. It was absolutely perfect, Brett. I I it just mm. it made my night. I immediately made it the uh, banner background for both my page and the Bizzlecast page, which will lead us into uh, the second part of the intro here. And then uh, we're going to talk about Brittany's recent experience at Comic-Con in Australia, um, which is that we are experimenting with video right now, aren't we, Brittany? Yes, we are. I'm doing a few like waves and stuff to the camera while I'm speaking, so it's it's a bit more two-dimensional you'll also be able to see that i have a terrible habit of picking at my fingers so okay well yeah well i'm i'm using my little sabine graffiti action figure here as my little fidget spinner or whatever on the uh oh on the i actually thing. have a fidget spinner so right somewhere. now Brittany. right now my my frame is me sabine ray and Jin. i'm very happy right now i've got batgirl on the wall and i've just found my fidget spinner yeah. Which was meant to stop me from picking out my fingers, and it doesn't. Yeah. And I have my apple cider, so I'm well, pretty pretty well happy. What, what's interesting is my family and friends, they're not sure what to make my uh, w- make of my obsession with um, strong female action heroes, because mm. it seems to be both a super hetero and a super gay thing at the same time, <laughs> you know? So I am like, strangely terrified yet aroused. Yet aroused, exactly, exactly. I am Chris Pine. I honestly, I mean, he's yeah. way better looking and cooler than I will ever be. But in terms of how he feels about Wonder Woman, is how I feel about these female characters. Oh no, that was Sammy's line, man. Samia. No, I know. I was making a weird jump there. Oh. Sorry, that was right. yeah. I was yes. Come Sammy's amazing. Yeah, I wish we had more with them. Those are the only deleted scenes I wish that existed. Were more with the team because I love the team. Especially um, at the very end where Etta Candy decides to take over the team and sends them on a mission to find the mother box. I only just realized that connects with the first Justice League trailer where are there Vikings burying this mother box. So it's just, it's, uh, it's all connected, even though it's all like a sandpit yeah. world that the directors are allowed to do whatever. Yeah. But there's that connection there. I'm pretty sure it's the same technology they're after. Right. So, hmm. Yeah. I, I think that something... Uh, you know, and then we. This will be good because we'll, we're going to announce as of this recording. The new uh, Justice League trailer has not come out. As of you listening to this, it definitely will be out, right, Brett? Well, yeah, hopefully, unless something goes wrong on the tech yeah. side of things. <laughs> also, most likely, um, the Star Wars trailer will have come out, debuting on Monday Night Football, and then immediately broadcast around the world. Also, ticket sales are going on um, uh, around the world uh, starting Monday night in most major countries with the opening release. So, you guys should get on opening tickets for the movie. You don't want to be spoiled. They're going out of their way with so few trailers. They're not going to do a lot of TV spots to not spoil people on this movie. Mm. There's going to be the major 
major plot twist. Ryan Johnson's one of the great young directors out there. He wrote and directed it. Although, um, you know, Brett, as, as I talked about in my podcast, he spent like three weeks at Carrie Fisher's house working on the script and they yeah, worked on it together. Yeah, she's a fantastic script doctor. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of, I, I don't think Carrie Fisher would ever try and hog the screen, but I think she's going to be written excellently. Um, and mm-hmm. so look out for those trailers, guys. Um, and, uh, this is going to feed into our main discussion. I should mention, Brett, really quickly uh that i did see blade runner 2049 tonight yeah and i had seen arrival which was also by this director and i had seen sicario which was also by this writer director and um it was exactly what i was expecting other than being way more uh r-rated than i thought there's mm. a lot of boobage, although they resist a ton of sex scenes, which is smart. But there's a lot of uh, topless women, um, mostly as holograms in the far future, you know, Blade Runner style. Um, it was also overrated, which I was expecting. It was also pretentious, which I was expecting. Um, even though I have a lot of problems like with Arrival. Oh, even though I have a lot of problems with Arrival. Did you see Arrival? No, but it's one of the films I really have to see. It's great. Because I, okay. I love language. If I was to have a superpower, it would be understand any language instantaneously. Okay. Well, she's, I mean, Amy, uh, Amy Adams plays basically the Lara Croft of language archaeology, basically. So, and talking with aliens. So, uh, you should absolutely see it. It's the sci-fi movie that both sci-fi fans and non-sci-fi fans loved. It's one of the highest rated audience movies of the last few years of that caliber. And it what didn't hit with me quite as hard because I tend to like my sci-fi um very heady and i actually thought the blade runner movie succeeded way more aesthetically and in spirit from the original movie it definitely felt like a worthy successor to the original movie harrison ford was amazing totally non-han solo it was a totally different role it was fantastic uh ryan gosling who i never loved was was pretty good overall um but this particular director he likes very very long scenes with very little dialogue and a lot of ambient music and sound and uh it's a bit of a head trip but uh just to tease it Brit, I thought the Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell, which nobody saw because people thought it was racist, uh, was a lot better than this uh, from a cyberpunk standpoint. And I love the original Ghost in the Shell, and I was not biased uh, because I had read every single argument against the supposed whitewashing of Ghost in the Shell. But if you've actually read the original mangas, it's not clear what ethnicity the main character is. And in the movie, they speak Japanese half the time, and it's mostly Japanese actors. So uh, that movie got slammed unnecessarily and was really, really loyal to the original while bringing new ideas to the table. But if you want a very beautiful gorgeously filmed and a soundtrack movie um blade runner for sure you should check out and so you know all this to say brit uh i mean if you've seen the original you should see it if you haven't seen the original you should see it um i I will say i forced my mom to watch ex machina in preparation for this movie because i think ex machina is actually a more important predecessor because it's more recent and was so influenced by the original blade runner so if you watch ex machina and this you'll really get a great experience even if you haven't seen the original or it's been a while but i will say uh, by the way um that battlestar galactica which it's not a big secret is one of my the new 
new Battlestar Galactica is one of my favorite TV shows ever. Um, is basically Star Wars mixed with Blade Runner and Ghost in the Shell. So um, it's space, but it's dark and it's AIs and they look like us. And are they sleeper Cylons? Are they terrorists? Are they human? What makes humans? Can they breed together? All of these things, all, all part of Battlestar. That's so Star Battlestar. All right, that sounds interesting. Battlestar Artificial Galactica. intelligence is an interesting thing. Like I've written a script on it. It's, no, it's no, no. one of those I mean, things that I'd want to work with. So have you seen the original uh, Blade Runner? I have. Okay. Years ago, so, but I have. Do you know the creepy cop that, that follows Harrison Ford around that's doing the origami the whole time and ends up mm. hunting Harrison Ford in the end? Because he suspects Harrison Ford, Ford is a replicant. He actually knows that Harrison Ford's a replicant, and they make that clear in this movie. Um, mm. But... Uh, um, and Harrison Ford is a replicant. I mean, it's not a spoiler. Like that starts the movie. We know we know that that's the case. Um, but uh, this movie, I mean, um, that's Edward James Olmos, who's been Oscar nominated before. And the two leads of Battlestar are him and Mary McDonnell, who's also been nominated for an Academy Award for Dances with Wolves back in the day. Has been in great roles from Donnie Darko to a million other things. Um, they play the two leads, the president and the admiral of a fleet escaping AI who's trying to kill the, uh, exterminate them after they enslave the AI. And they're on the run the whole time. But as time goes on, the, the AI creatures who look like humans now want to become more human. And that's ultimately what the show's about. And so it's basically Blade Runner mm-hmm. in space, which is fantastic. But there's a lot of nods to Battlestar. They brought back Eddie almost for a small but really important cameo in this one because he loved the original um, as much as his more successful successful movies because at the time no one saw Blade Runner people thought it was a terrible movie um and uh there was like you know like the aesthetics of the computer screens were exactly from Blade Runner uh the the way they dealt with sort of like what happens when robots start breeding uh biologically um so that part I really appreciated you could tell that it was in um dialogue with everything so there you go people that's going to be the most I talk all night um, cause tonight, Brittany, we're going to talk about something that I have never talked about in almost Wait. three years of podcast. And what is that? So you went to a Comic-Con recently, Britt. I've never been mm-hmm. to one. I know exactly how they operate because I've seen tons of video and I listen to podcasters that attend them, that table there, that promote there. I listen to interviews with the people who attend and who appear there. You know, I'm a huge fan of nerd uh, legends like Felicia Day and Will Wheaton who run the circuit of Comic-Cons year-round, worldwide round, and they tell great stories and have very close relationships with their fan. Nathan Fillion is a massive, massive... I mean. He'll sometimes do two panels in two days, just him taking questions. He's such a popular, you know, guy on on that circuit from Firefly and other things. And so I, I know some stuff about them, but I've never actually been to one. So Brittany has some great stories to share from her experience, and we're going to get to them. There's three in particular we want to talk about, and then if there's time, we'll talk maybe about the wider con culture. But Brittany, before we get into the stories, mm-hmm. I would love for you to do the. The classic setup. Who, what, when, where, how. I don't have to ask why, but all the other questions. So start when it was, where it was, who you went with, if anyone. Just just, just set the setting, uh, lay out the setting for us, please. Alrighty. So it was September 23rd, and this Comic-Con went across 23rd, 24th. I was representing the Nervous Stream Network, which is the online magazine that I kind of do stuff for. 
Mm-hmm. And I had my friend Jackie with me on the Saturday and I had a, um, a friend, Mark, who also, both of them actually do stuff with Novastream as well on the Sunday. Um, and By I went way, in with... Sorry, mm-hmm. I guess I'd be wrong. Um, I, I, I have to meet Jackie online. Yeah. Because I happened to catch your back and forth about you having two BVS copies and I thought both of your responses to each other were hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, she's. Um, we've been friends since high school, so I met her halfway through uh, 2009 when I moved up here. We've done a whole lot of film projects together, so we can we can work together really well and really tell each other what we think when we need to. Just kind of, just, just, just. You know, she she reminds me that I can't have dinosaurs in my scripts. <laughs> she's wrong. That's kind of the real. She's that's wrong. Kind of what's happening <laughs> so um. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. So that was really good. Um, I went with the intention to film a cosplay video, which I did. Uh, yes. My first one was for uh, Supernova at Gold on the Gold Coast, start yeah. of the year. So since then, I've been like you know researching and filming, um, mm-hmm. well researching and watching videos and learning and all that. Uh, so that was my first goal, and the second goals, uh, the other two goals were to do uh, two interviews. So I wanted to do one with uh, someone from Artist Valley, and then I wanted to do an interview with a cosplayer. So I kind of just set that up when I got there on Saturday. But do you hear um, that, kids? Yeah. Do you hear that, millennials? Setting goals is a good thing. Okay, let's listen to Brit <laughs> Brickroll. Actually, doing them. But that's what I'm saying. The, the best is, way to accomplish thing. goals is to set them up specifically. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that I've actually learned while working yeah. with Novastream is that um, I will never be the best. I will never be the worst. But I will damn well be the one that shows up. And that is the most important thing. Show up. Because <laughs> they love you for it. I mean, you're going to be way closer to the best than the worst if you keep if you keep it up. It also depends on your definition of the best. Um, mm. But I think it's, it's, it's it, you know, the goal, the main goal in this in entertainment is to be in the top 20%. But to be very distinct and reach a specific audience, you don't need to be the biggest or the best. You just need to have a specific audience that identifies with you. Well, I don't mind. Like, I don't really want to be famous. I just want to make work that kind of I can live off and work that yes. I enjoy. When I say other you, enjoy. I mean like your production like, company or whatever generally. you end up doing. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how it works in Australia because setting up a limited liability corporation in this country, a, a, a company with partners, is extremely easy and, and inexpensive. Um, and so I recommend to protect yourself legally. And this is to all people out there. This is not just a Brittany. If you've graduated from college, I mean, we, we did it while we were in college. So once you are 18 years old, if you're producing anything that's going to have a big audience and, or maybe make money soon or down the road, spend the $300 and file the paperwork to become a company. Because at least in America, corporations have way more rights uh, and privileges than people do. Yeah, and that's one thing I need to do because technically I am my product. So I need to get myself an ABN and start looking at yeah, actually getting Because right now, Brittany, they can sue you directly. But if you do something offensive by accident in a video under the Brickgirl LLC Corporation, then you're, you're protected by the company to a certain degree. I know that's an extreme circumstance, but also for tax reasons, you can write off travel expenses. Like all of your convention costs are should go against taxes that you pay. Um, although, again, I don't know how Australia works in that in that area, but in this country, you would want to write off as much as possible. 
It's um, I'm not sure how different Australia is, but that is actually really helpful information. <laughs> I'd have to look into that. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk off off um, Mike about that. But I'm going to leave that little discussion in the in the podcast because I think it's important for uh, young people out there to think about. Definitely. And even though I'm an old ass person, I'm hoping that most of my audience is closer to your age. And so, if you are uh, more, I'm a, I'm a fringe millennial. If you're a true millennial, if you're in your 20s, these are the things you need to be thinking about. We started our company when we were seniors in college, and it ended up helping us a lot and protecting us from from some stuff. Um, people trying to rip us off and things like that um, and so forth. But um, keep going. Yeah, well, that that was the that were the goals. That's what the general picture of Comic-Con was. I mean, like, we All had... Right, wait, so uh, we see the goals really quick. Uh, so, so, cosplay. Three, three videos, really. A cosplay video, mm-hmm. um, an interview with a cosplayer who mm-hmm. I set up. It was Georgia Rose. Yep. So, I did a Harley and a Wonder Woman video with her previously. So, that was, that was pretty good. That was pretty easy to set up. Shocker. And then... I was thinking um, Jin Ray for sure, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Star Wars Obsessed. Um, <laughs> what? What was it? The third one uh, was just an artist because we had done that at uh, Gold Coast Supernova and it worked really well. We interviewed one of um, my boss, Alistair's friends, and I decided I would... Just, you know, walk around and see wh- who, which art I clicked with. And it actually ended up being the person I clicked with. And she was just so, like, easy to get along with. She was really lovely to my friend. Like, my friend was like, I really want a Hamilton one yes. for my friend. And they started discussing, you know, this fan art that she could do. She was like, I'll just make you a card. That'll be easy. Just oh, Facebook man. details. Do that. And so, that was just like, you were really nice. I want to promote you. So... Okay. Yeah, and that's what the overall kind of arching thing okay. was. So, City, um, again, is... Brisbane. Brisbane. So, we're halfway which is down located the eastern coast. Okay. So, um, guys, maybe I'll put some photos, actually, um, on, so the, on the video here. Yeah. Uh, I'm just opening Google Maps to get a sense of it. So, Australia is a humongous country, obviously. It is huge. This will be a good chance to talk just generally about it. So, Queensland is like the main... Queensland and... Where's Sydney? Uh, So, Sydney is south. It's still on the east coast. Right. But most of the population is on the east coast of Australia? Yes, so that's where... Um, and by the way, guys, I guess if you cut off Manchuria from China, Australia is the same size as China, just FYI. Go ahead. There we go. Um, the Most of the population is in Melbourne or Sydney. Mm-hmm. People mostly get uh, Sydney mixed up with our um, capital. It isn't. Canberra is. Canberra is uh, a little state on its own cut out of Sydney. Oh, sorry, cut out of New South Wales. So, New South Wales is the state, Sydney is the Uh city, and Canberra is the little, you know, has all our government house and all that. And Um, and Melbourne's got a little state, Victoria, on the southeast there, yeah. Melbourne has the fastest growing suburb, which is actually where I lived. I grew up in Werribee, fastest growing suburb in Australia. Hmm. Uh, It has a lot of immigration, a lot of, like, huge multiculturalism. I think Sydney might be second. They're pretty close think of it this way melbourne's hipster sydney's business and brisbane uh surfers so you i don't fit in brisbane (laughs) yeah you're not a surfer you're scared of waves um you grew up like what a dozen miles from downtown melbourne or something like that 
See, that's the thing. We use the metric system. So, yeah, so we no, were, kilometers. How many kilometers? I wouldn't know, but it was <laughs> half an hour to 45 minutes, I yeah. think, drive. Now, it probably changed because there's so many cars now trying to get yeah. into the city. For, for, but, um, um, for, for listeners um, uh, in the United States, think, um, you know, the outer boroughs of Manhattan, essentially. Um, in terms of time and distance, or if you're from my area in Philadelphia, the main line suburbs with the Northeast. So, okay. It, so you grew up it there. It may have been a little, yeah, maybe a little further. Cause at the moment I'm actually just pretty much half an hour, a little bit more North of the city of Brisbane. Mm. So of course, you know, the original gold coast was West Africa when, uh, they were, literally raped dry of both uh gold and people um how did the gold coast get its name in australia and how did you end up there um well i don't actually live on the gold coast that's about an hour to an hour and a half south of me um but it i think it got its name just because of its fantastic sands i mean like australia is known Mm. for its beaches and it, the Gold Coast I hate is sand. One of the it gets most, everywhere. <laughs> it Sorry. does. It sucks. Um, did you get that for reference? A of, for a couple of, oh uh, yeah, actually okay. no, I did. Anakin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You uh, get a yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's, yeah, a fam- it's a famous line in America because yeah. It's very well, because the actual the actual line everywhere. is. Yeah, the actual line is actually way less bad than how much it's been mocked over the years. So it's like almost come around on itself. But yeah, go ahead. But my question was less about the Gold Coast specifically, how you ended up traversing a distance from where you grew up to where you are now. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Werribee and my dad had just, he just needed a new new job. And there weren't any going in Victoria, which is the state Mm -hmm. that holds Melbourne City. So, we moved to Brisbane for his new jobs. We used to live on the south side of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And after high school, I uh, we moved to the north side. And we haven't moved since. Brilliant. So That's a very okay. overview. So, I do want to dive directly into the convention. But I have to ask one more question that to, to tie the, the, the loop here or whatever to mm-hmm. complete laying down the, 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 uh, the, the highway or whatever, which is when did you go from like liking some things nerdy and not realizing they were nerdy to like being like, I'm a nerd and proud of it to I'm going to start going to conventions and be active at them? Well, the first convention sort of thing was a supernova that uh, and I went to that when I was in high school I went with a friend uh, I dressed up as a really bad black widow and I just had like a sketchy mm. idea of Marvel comics um, and I actually really didn't like it I thought it was just a lot of money to go see shops because I didn't realize there are all these artists and there's all this mm. subculture around cosplay so I think it's in the past year or two that I've really delved into cosplay and I've just been like mind blown by how fantastic they all are Mm -hmm. um but nerd wise i mean like pretty much i grew up liking everyone likes superheroes when they're kids so we liked um we liked batman and the animated series and because i had red hair and the boys were you know batman i was batgirl so i was i was just barbara gordon Um, but of course at the time i didn't know it was barbara gordon it was just batgirl Mm. um but i think what really clicked Batgirl with me was when I was playing Batman Arkham. 
No. Yes. Batman Arkham Asylum, I think. And I was just going through the specs of all the characters. And one thing that I've noticed growing up is that a lot of actors and actresses that are usually in, you know, this awesome, you know, character, female, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Not many are really taller than five foot nine because I mean, like, no. my height is a bit out there. Yeah. So <laughs> when I found all of a sudden I'm looking through the specs and it's like Oracle, blue eyes, red hair, five foot eleven, oh, and I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I kind of got assessed from there. Oh yeah. I mean, even tonight, um, Mackenzie Davis who I had only known from being the, the NASA nerd in The Martian, who was so great in her, her role, um, who was sitting the whole time with glasses, mm-hmm. and, and she was still kind of a girl. She played a prostitute in Blade Runner, and um, she's so tall. She, like, dwarfed Ryan Gosling. It, you know, I was like, oh, my God. And she's probably only 5'11", but, like, you know, yeah. these actors are not tall. They're really not, you know? No, but then also having short actors are easier to work with while filming. Yep. So, um, did you see so um, that way. Did you see The Night Manager with Tom Hiddleston and Olivia Coleman? The uh, no, BBC know. series? Uh, and, uh, um, okay. Because there's there's a uh, there's a young um, Australian actress in that um, who has a very hard to pronounce name who I mentioned once on this podcast before and I can't remember. She played the gold the gold lady in Guardians too, the gold. Oh, queen. okay. And she's Australian, but she does an amazing American accent. And she plays in a New York. He plays a New Yorker uh, who's Hugh, uh, not Hugh Grant, whoever the guy was on House. I always forget his name. The guy who played House, the English actor, um, mm-hmm. and who's the bad guy, the night manager. And Tom Hiddleston is is infiltrating this big weapons uh, arms organization um, as an undercover spy. Uh, she's six foot, and like you can't notice help but notice the whole time how freaking tall she is. And of course it's legendary that Tom Cruise and a lot of the better looking actors out there, are like five, six, five, you know, like, Oh, Tom Cruise shorter. is short. Yeah. He's they really have short. to like, like what was it in um, Top Gun? They had to adjust for his height, didn't they? Like he, about, other people had to be leaning and think about how many Tom Cruise scenes there are where it's not just him in the frame. There's very few, yeah. you know, and I mean, like, that's the thing. I mean, like, I'm sure we've come to the point in Hollywood where we should be able to accept if someone is short. Because, I mean, look at how amazing his stunts are. Okay, you know it's what? This is a great transition because I want to get into the main topic, which is cosplay. Mm, so, yeah. again, having some age, I have a little, you know, of experience from before you were into this stuff. But you've also been to conventions and I've not. And so... um I'm going to be playing sort of the guy who thinks he's wise, but sort of a rube on this uh, topic. Um, so it's exactly like me when I'm when I'm talking to you about Star Wars. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. And by the way, listeners, if you've seen my videos before, unless you've seen my Black Panther uh, reaction, which got like a thousand views, you've probably not seen my videos before. My mic is amazing, but it's really white and really thick and looks like a giant dildo or vibrator that's like <laughs> sticking right into my mouth, basically, on the screen. So, if you see that giant white thing, it is a microphone. And on- I swear, only a microphone. Um, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, Brent. It's very prominent right now in my, my video feed here. Very prominent. Okay. Uh, uh, well, you know. Good, like, to, good like, to know. Like father, like son. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> 
Oh, man. Sure. <laughs> Visuals I do not need. What, a white microphone? No. Yeah, I know. A white microphone is horrifying. Um, I know. Just think of the white microphone. Um, that's one of my nicknames, by the way. Uh, but uh, so um, let me put it this way. Comic-Con used to be just for nerds, and then it got kind of commercialized, and and now there are these huge events where they bring in the entire cast of the Star Wars movies, uh, but they don't say anything or reveal anything, and no one gets to actually touch or talk or see, you know, whatever them, you know, which is not something I ever really cared to do anyway, so I don't, you know, so my my philosophy is that cosplaying has saved conventions because it's it, it, it's created a fan generated thing around which you can really have fun the whole time and especially at the bigger conventions like San Diego Comic Con which is very commercial like everyone's hawking their wares there and so so now the mid sized conventions like Dragon Con in Atlanta which is legendary or um, Emerald City in Seattle people love New York Comic Con just happened supposed to be pretty good um but i feel like the grassroots is taking back over a little bit in a good way so a am i full of shit b what was sort of your overall experience with cosplaying um and and do you think it's a sideshow or do you think it's a central part based on your experience of what's going on at conventions these days I think you are with the first question i think you are quite right in that um stars are definitely picking picking up audiences and stuff because people who just watched there were a lot of actors from teen wolf at um oz comic con this year so people who might not read comics might not uh you know enjoy the avengers films and stuff they would they would be enticed by these actors to go and those outside of you know understanding cosplay or those outside of understanding playing comic books but then liked the Avengers films would have been enticed to go to I think it's Brisbane Supernova because Stan Lee is going to be there so it's definitely attracting a lot more um, high-end actors and stars and celebrities which is incredible but cosplay has definitely kept this thing alive on a different level it's not even a paid attraction like only few cosplayers um, go there to like hold conferences and stuff. Sometimes they get their own stage. Uh, Kumai Cosplay, don't hold me on that name, but she is, um, I think she's European. She does these phenomenal cosplays, has a huge amount of followers, and that's her. looks like that's what her living is. She creates patterns for different characters and sells them on her Etsy. So it's not not only are people going just to see cosplay, which isn't really a paid thing at these events, but people are going, people are paying these creators for you know their patents to make their own things. Like I bought a red hood pattern for um for a red hood obviously from Xiong Cosplay Xiangping. I'm probably saying that wrong. But yeah, it's just it's it's such a fun thing to get into because not only are you I'll, I'll get the interns that, to fact check that later. Yes, get the interns. Yes, yeah, so of course. Because not only are you celebrating that character, celebrating the um, the story, you're actually kind of putting yourself in there and you're enjoying it on a whole new level. And it's not only are you just wearing, say, a Hufflepuff t-shirt and pointing at another Hufflepuff right. wearing the same t-shirt and going, "Yeah, you are walking down dressed as Ginny." seeing Harry Potter 
and going, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then people wanting to take photos of the both of you and you've never met before. Mm-hmm. So, they, these are different things that it just, it just builds this. And that's what I saw this time. It's this wonderful community that I, I only just put my foot in the door and it's amazing and so supportive and so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you have some in- really interesting stories about interviews and interactions with cosplay. Yeah. But you know what? Let's not take for granted that the audience even knows. I mean, they're probably familiar that it, it's short for costume play and it's dressing up in cool ways of your favorite characters. And they could literally be from anything. Mm. So, it, as, yeah. yeah. So, um, I have a couple factoids here, which I think you and I should both know. And if we don't, we should say it to the audience. And Uh-oh. that will lead into your first stories about where cosplay comes from. Um. What country did the word uh, was the word generated from? And it, Japan. It, yes, it is from Japan in 1984. The World Science Fiction Convention called WorldCon um, in LA, but it was a Japanese thing. Not a surprise whatsoever. The Japanese are behind this. Now, some people say it was actually initially inspired by the first world, not first world, the very first. World Science Fiction Convention in New York City in 1939 when people did dress up, actually. And there's pictures, black and white pictures you guys can see online. Um, but I think it's fair to say, Britt, that it's really come on in the last 10 years. Does that, does that, that line up with your, your understanding of, of um, sort of the, uh, the art of, of cosplaying? That's a really good question. Um, I can certainly say that when I went my first, to my first supernova in costume, I wasn't, I don't know, I didn't see many characters that I went, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so. But this was back in like 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. However, at the start of this year going to, actually, no, I lie. When was the first Supernova I covered? I think that was 2015. I went and I chatted to a few different people and starting to realize that these people have done a lot of effort in the costumes. So maybe not even 10 years, but that's just with my experience. So interestingly, not only is, is it a Japanese uh, development in a lot of ways, both in terms of word and practice, uh, but this, this piece on Wiki says that it's actually was the cosplaying of anime that really launched the modern cosplay movement, in fact. So it's doubly Japanese, which is crazy. Mm. There are some insane anime cosplays. Like yeah. people, because anime in itself is pretty insane. I mean, you look at the costumes of, um, just of any show, like you yeah. can, you can, do, you can be as simple as, um, say Ichigo Kurosaki, but you'd have to buy, a, I think it's a kimono. That's yep. what it's called. So it's like a black traditional sure. get up. Yep. Um, but then you need a sword and then you need a mask. So whether or not you buy those or make them, it's like, that's something kind of basic with anime. Um, but it's just like anime's very intense cosplay. Like considering that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> but but cartoons in general are also great things to cosplay because there's more flexibility um, and um, sort of fungibility, if you will, because, you yeah. know, cartoons tend to be However, more impressionistic. Yeah, go ahead. Mm, 
There is a difference, um, I thought I should say here. You're probably going to come across it in the Wikipedia article. The difference between, um, say, Halloween costumes or everyday costumes and cosplay um, is the idea that in cosplay you kind of don the character as well. So you can't, you act as that character. So a good example would be when I met... Some people. Someone... Some people. Some people do it. Some people, yeah. do, like, really embody the character. But there was a guy who dressed up as the cowboy from um, Overwatch, and I feel terrible. I've forgotten the guy's name. He, he The character says it's high noon somewhere. I think he says that a lot. But he had, like, this... He had the Texas accent going. He had a cigar sticking out his mouth. And I think it was a fake cigar as well. But that's, like, <laughs> an example of cosplay when you go beyond just the materials and you kind of embody the character as well. All right, Britt. Well, I think, you know, uh, you know, uh, the best way to illustrate all this is to tell some actual stories. Uh, mm. I, I'm just going to preface this by saying, pre-cosplay, I hate dressing up in costumes. I hate Halloween. Uh, yeah. Down the literally a block from here is an old penitentiary that they turn into the most famous haunted house in, a, in the country. Um, like, it actually is, uh, you know, like... You know, they get like it's like a million visitors in six weeks of this haunted house that they do in the penitentiary. So there's no parking. Gee. There's like drunk, stupid kids everywhere. So, so I just hate Halloween. I hate the fake candy and everything like that. Um, but I love cosplay and the idea behind cosplay. And the example I always use, of course, is the reclamation of the slave Leia in which you can see so many women from so many backgrounds and so many body types do various versions of the slave Leia. And I grew up never thinking it was that offensive as a kid. But again, this was me growing up thinking Princess Leia was like the best thing ever and she always had everything under control. And so she looked beautiful in it, but I never felt it was as exploitative as other people. And Carrie Fisher actually also agrees more with me in that sense. I'm not saying it was it wasn't in poor taste, but do you see what I'm saying? It allows yeah. different groups to reclaim things like, you know, like like both Asian girls and American girls can dress up as Mulan, for example, right? Mm. So you tell yeah, us definitely. tell us some stories. Tell us tell us some stories from Australia. Some Story cosplaying Australian stories, yeah. Oh, yes, from Australia. From <laughs> down under. Um, all right. So, the down one under. of the cool things. Down under, mate. All right, down let's under, get mate. It's like really Australian. Yeah, yeah really so Australian. rock out. Beddingham. Yeah. Show up there. Get myself a, you know, good old pie. Put some dead horse on it. It's really, mm. you know, mm. it's a ripper. Mm-hmm. Dead horse is, um, sorry, that's tomato sauce. <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know. Sure, why not? <laughs> Australia for you. Um, okay, but seriously though, uh, tell us about some cosplay yeah. stories because I've never experienced yeah. this, and so I'm fascinated so, about not just the fact that you watched it passively, but interviewed and photographed and videoed, and mm. you guys can check this out online. We'll put the links later. But go ahead. Um, as an example, just to show yeah. how uh, committed these these people are to their costumes, like how um, how much detail they go into it. On on the very first day, I I think it's one of the first people I actually filmed. There was um, a couple cosplaying as the Joker and the Harley. It was a little bit of a twist on the um, Suicide Squad Joker Oh, by the Harley. way, sorry, Jared Leto was the psychotic bad guy in Blade Runner. You're not going to like him. Yeah. He's not very I good. I still need to warm up to him. No, he's, he, uh, was, well, he wasn't very good here either. He was better than, than that, but anyways, go ahead. 
Anyway, um, yeah, so I went up to them and said, hey, do you mind if I film you for Novastream? And they were all cool with it. And mm-hmm. they, um, excuse me, I'm burping all over the place. That apple cider, too much. Um, <laughs> and they, they got into character. They did like they were really cool. But the thing is, they, they were also a couple. So they were also dating. So it was, it was just really, they were really comfortable with each other and okay with the huh. camera, which was great. You can see some of the footage on the cosplay video on the Novastream network yeah. Facebook page and on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, you know, I'm filming cosplayers. I'm on the on the way out of the convention floor into the hallway outside, mm-hmm. and these people walk in, and they have an incredible uh, Sarah Jane and Ninth Ninth Doctor. No, oh, the 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 Doctor um, who oh. had a scarf, you know, from Doctor Who. He has a really long scarf. That was Are his. Are you asking me about Doctor Who? I haven't watched two episodes of Doctor Who. <laughs> I haven't watched the traditional stuff. I started with um, Christopher Eccleston. And the Americans who say they do don't. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's honestly, it's very hard to understand. Um, Anyway, so they walk in. Their costumes are fabulous. And I just say, hey, guys, love your costumes. Would you like to be a part of the video? And they both look at me like, yeah, sure. But you realize you filmed us yesterday. Right. And I'm like, what? This couple were the Harley and Joker. Yep. So if you watch the video closer, like probably three quarters of the way through, there's a um, a Doctor Who and a uh, and a Sarah Jane doing the time warp because they they, they were just like, hey, do you want us to dance? We'll do the time warp. Oh, that's so, so they fun. did that. Yeah, they were really good, and I was just my mind was blown because I did not recognize them at all. I mean, these guys, these people would probably be the best people to for the FBI or the CIA or something to like pull into their ranks because they have an amazing skill to just become completely different people visually. Hmm. It's just it's phenomenal. Hmm. I've and I've, then I just just piggyback on that. And keep going. Then you're gonna keep going. Um. I have heard stories of people who change costumes up to three to five times per day. Yeah, they could. Which I think yeah. is awesome. Um, Why not? If that's your thing. Mm. I have a lot of friends from college who are not necessarily professional fashion designers, but like my uh, b- b- my best buddy Eric, who I started the music company with, who still's running it, Modia by Eric Herman. My good buddy dated a girl in college who was great at making her own clothes, and my buddy loved wearing African style pants because we had a big you know Africa obsession, and I refused to wear them because they looked goofy, and she like did a hybrid version of like corduroys with some African uh, prints sewn in that she gave to me as a birthday present. It was like the coolest thing ever. I don't fit into it anymore because I'm twenty pounds heavier but i still have them uh they're amazing and so that's a great skill there's even professional mm. cosplayers out there keep going because like i'm i'm actually wanting to because i'm i'm filming that's my foot in the door for cosplay so far but i've been wanting to do a gotham city garage and i've been working on it slowly i've got a jacket i've got uh, a hat which are like kind of the main elements of uh, gotham city garage Batgirl. sorry i should class- clarify and the the As woman who I know, sorry, yeah. If you didn't know, it's always going to be Batgirl. Uh, the woman who did the Harley and the Wonder Woman video with me, um, we just I don't know, we just hit it off, and I started sending her questions about like, because um, she she works works at a place that has that does stationery and all that. Um, I won't say it because I don't want to give her details out. 
Um, but she, yeah, so she was, I was able to ask her, look, I'm after some transfer paper onto materials. She's like, yeah, you can come here. You can go to Kmart. I'm thinking of doing the same thing. And we just started trading, trading tips and tricks as we were figuring out this iron transfer. And I'm like, it doesn't work with dark, dark material, you know, rah, 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 rah. Um, and the thing is, she's so supportive and quick to welcome me into this cosplay industry. She's like, this is amazing. Just keep trying, keep going. You can do it. And it's it's so great to find um, like a community that's so quick to be to be involving, if you know what I mean. Yes. Quick to grab someone who's interested and just be like, yes, come in. <laughs> it's like is, as soon as you say interested, that's yeah. it. You have no choice. You are in. You you cannot leave. Totally. I mean, okay. First of all, if someone made me like an Obi Wan from the prequels outfit, like I would wear that in two seconds. So I, you I, cosplay I, that really well. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah I can I can pull off the Ewan McGregor. I mean, he's obviously you know slightly better looking than me. Not much, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> But uh, so, but I feel way more comfortable in that environment because when you're at a Halloween party, you have to be in costume, or everyone's asking you why you're not in costume. Mm. But I like that you go to the convention. And if you're in costume, it's not like the costume people are only hanging out with the costume people unless that's their thing. And actually, there's a very hilarious. Uh, all of season five of the Guild is uh, them going to a convention, and one of them gets obsessed with steampunk. But the steampunkers are playing it so hard; they're being uber pretentious. They won't even let. I mean, they're set up in public display, but they won't let anyone even get near them because they're being as pretentious as steampunk is. It's it's hilarious commentary uh, and great and great physical design. But for the most part, right? I mean, even if people are in character, it's not like Daniel Day Lewis where he's just going to hit you if you sneak up behind them because he's super method or, you know, guys mm. like, right? I mean, people are in character, but they're not method, yeah. kind of. Does that make sense? Is that true? I'm, yeah, it's yeah. true. Because, like, they, they're obviously, you know, who, n- normal everyday people. They have their uh, full-time jobs, part-time jobs. They have jobs that are cosplay. You're going to walk into different people. And the thing is, because of this and because of how strong this community is, there's actually um, a lot of kind of etiquette to go yes. with cosplay, especially yes. with filming cosplay. Um, there are definitely a lot of things that I have to learn. I have to still learn. Like I've accidentally broken a few of these rules and been like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, well, actually, <laughs> but, you know um, what? This is an important part of a correction for me that's relevant to this I need to make that I was listening to our last podcast where I kind of insinuated that sexism was more prominent in Australia than America in this corner. And I I just, I want to correct that if people misinterpreted that as saying in the last few years, the nerd community has really tightened up support of gender equality, transgender, um, you know, gay people, um, uh, people of color, um, I'm sure 10, 20 years ago, it was different. I only can speak yeah. of the last couple of years where, you know, there's boys dressed up as Ray, honestly. Yeah. I mean, a lot. A lot of, a lot of nerds have really like formed rank. Yep. And it's, if someone That's isn't, awesome. um, yeah. if someone is falling out of line, it's, there's, there is room for forgiveness. But at the same time, if you're, if you are inappropriately touching someone, that's it. Oh, no. You know, so, word yeah. travels fast. The community, yeah. like the cosplay community is actually very small. Yeah. I was talking to um, this photographer who's really lovely, you know, got along great with him. Yep. And I started looking at some of his work online and he had actually photographed one of my friends from high school who cosplays. 
So yeah, you mentioned something about your friend like ending up on a cosplay video that was unrelated to you or something, and you saw it. I can't remember what the story was. Yeah. So uh, what happened? Um, I, it, it was a photo, but it's it's. I met this guy while doing my cosplay video, and this guy he was just he's. It looks like he's done it a lot. He's done a lot of cosplay photos, and we got along really well. He um, sent me a friend request on Facebook. I mean, I'm just that popular. And yeah, then I just started looking through all his work and all of a sudden I recognized a face. He had photographed um, someone I went to high school with who does cosplay. So it was just so interesting to realize that the community is that small that, yeah, that... uh, What were they dressed as? You know, someone you just meet has photographed a friend from high school. In fact, I should say she's still my friend now. Yeah, what was she dressed as? Um... What was it? It was from a game. It was a really good cosplay as well. Okay. Um, Those cosplay. All right. So. I but, yeah, get, but what yeah. I was trying no, to ahead. say with that yes. story, I remember now, is the fact that she, um, that the community is so small. So as soon, although there is room for forgiveness, there is also a community that will defend one another. Like, um, for instance, yeah. When I was walking, a, another convention was happening at the same time in the same building that was like a leadership seminar. Um, there was a lot of people in suits, you know, people who are pumped up thinking they're amazing. And they, you know, they see cosplayers and superheroes and they're like, yeah, we want photos with those people, which is fine. Wow. But when, when I was walking into their foyer, uh, there was a lady dressed as Miss Marvel. She had a phenomenal costume. She's also at the end of the video. Which, the 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 current Carol Danvers one. Um, it's like a black swimsuit with long black gloves. Oh, okay, that's an older one. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So blonde hair. Yeah. Anyway, so I walked in and I I wanted to get a photo with her, but she was getting a selfie with these guys, two business guys who each had an arm around her, getting this selfie, and I was just like, oh, that's a bit odd. But I mean, like, I didn't want to interrupt because that's that's kind of like an etiquette thing. You don't sure you don't jump in when someone else is taking a photo because you know you don't have permission of that to take the photo. That you know other what? person does. You know what? Let me play devil's advocate. If even mm-hmm. one out of ten of those such people that changes their mind in a positive way about nerd culture, then it's worth it. As long as people aren't yeah. being violated, obviously. And Definitely. what I was going to say and is a minor offense, you will get a second chance, and that is it. A major offense, you are yeah. out. And out. there is, as you said, it, there are etiquette guides, but in this country, there are very specific r- rules that are basically laws. And mm. if you do anything untoward uh, from a sexual standpoint, especially involving children or women, it, it's mm. it's all over for you. Yeah, you will be blacklisted. Um, but they Definitely. don't even need to call in security because everyone will jump on the person and beat them down. <laughs> even though nerds are like yeah. the least violent people possible, but when it comes to defending children in particular, they will get very very defensive. Definitely. Um, and I think and by the way, I think it's a stereotype rules. really quickly that nerds mm-hmm. aren't athletic. That's a, that that does not exist anymore. Even when I was a kid and we were discriminated against, I was an athlete. I played soccer and baseball. You know, I had to hide yeah. my nerd identity. We are athletic, some mm. of us. Yeah, for sure. I did volleyball and basketball. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You, you actually look but, um, like an athlete who could be an athlete now. I look like the guy who was great in twelve in when I was twelve. But yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I saw this lady. She was getting the photo selfie taken, and I thought. 
nothing but I had I only had a feeling so nothing visual told me okay something's a bit odd I just had a feeling so I waited till afterwards and I started I said hey would you like to be a part of this video and then she's like yeah yeah sure and I said were you okay was was everything oh you asked her all right with that selfie and she goes yeah yeah it it was fine but I you know if they if they did anything wrong they were going to get a very big kick and so it's one of those things, those unfortunate things where you have to be on your guard. It's sort of this horrible, horrible sensation, but also this thing where we are able to communicate like that and be like, were well, you okay? Do you need yeah. any help? Well, you also, that, that's a weird situation. I mean, again, this is just a population density thing, but like even a small Comic-Con in this country would take up an entire hotel. Like they would never be sharing space with a business convention. Yeah. So that's a weird situation to begin with that uh, if you have any influence with the organizers of this convention, you should tell them not to do something like that again. Because mm. it kills mm. the mood too. You don't want to see suits. You're specifically there yeah. to not see suits. Unless they're dressing up as Archer. But that's uh, going oh. back to what you were saying yeah, about, no, yeah. about defending um, women and children. There is one specific rule, although it's not really in any etiquette thing. I really do not like filming children. That is one rule I have set myself. There's one little girl who was actually really persistent and wanted to be filmed. So I kind of yeah, I think it depends. did that just to, to you know appease her. But it's just – it's one of those things where um, – you know, they don't really have control. Like their parents or their guardians might say yes, but I think it's just an odd thing to be to be have a digital copy of them out in the world that they are not control of, in yeah, control of. I generally agree with you, but if if you're at a convention and it seems like they're good parents and it's mm-hmm. not exploiting the kid, especially for money, and you're not broadcasting it to a ton of people you know, that I think it's okay. But I know where you're coming from. The only problem is, is I can't control what people do with it as soon as I post it. So adults know what they're getting into. Children, however, might not. No, no, no. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, if you do a highlight video that's three minutes long and you have, say, five 10-second clips of little kids... Yeah. There's only so much exploitation you could do with that, assuming they're just mm. smiling little girls wearing the Ray costume. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's all, it, it's, you, yeah. what you put out there is completely, you know, depends on what, what could happen to it. And, yeah. Mm. And as it's you just, say, they want to be recorded. Sorry. Myself. I wanted to hone in on that. As you say, some little kids want to be recorded. They love showing off. Yeah. I have my, um, so my brother in law, Jordan, his brother has a daughter, Avery, who's like, she wants to be like a football cheerleader, but she also wants to be an actress. Like she super loves movies and being on camera and acting and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And her parents mm-hmm. are great parents, you know, and, but they would be perfectly happy to have her be cute for 10 seconds on camera to just like a normal person yeah. in that setting. I, I think that's why yeah. it's such a safe place for children. Uh, is that the case at that convention in general and other conventions that you're aware of Ooh. in Australia as a safe place for children overall? Absolutely. I think it's very safe. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I attended my first one, I guess not really as a child, as a teenager, so but jealous. I went when I was 15, oh. 16, I think. I'm so, jealous. so, you know, I was a teenager, a little bit older, but still, I didn't have any parents. I was with a few people who were here younger than me, and it's it's quite safe. You just 
you know, take care of yourself. You, you hear all these stories in these videos that t- uh, talk about etiquette and stuff where people do, you know, uh, reach where they shouldn't reach um, and say things that can be quite hurtful about their costume or anything like that. But it's, it is, it's quite safe. You're just going to get the few oddballs, unfortunately, but you get that in every... Okay. So I have, I have a quick old man's uh, tale about this. And then I have some, some questions about specific questions about the, the convention with cosplay. Okay. Yeah. So pop quiz. What was the first major property genre property that led to modern convention culture? And it's not disputable. Probably... Well, weren't you saying anime before? No, if in not terms anime, of Western like conventions. Yeah, it's Star Trek. Yeah. The Trekkies, I mean, there's movie Trekkies. There's like a million movies about Trekkie culture. So yeah. until the 90s, especially until the late 90s when the Star Wars prequels came out, it was all Star Trek. I mean, they literally rebooted a, a series that barely made it three seasons in the sixties into six huge blockbuster Hollywood movies because of how popular it became over the years in the seventies and eighties via conventions. It was all Star Trek. It was people wearing the Spock gears. And that's where the nerd, um, the stereotype came from was, was the Trekkie conventions. But then Star Wars came back and that became a huge thing. And then all of a sudden it starts to main because Star Wars mainstreams nerd culture. I don't care what anyone thinks about the property, but if you like nerd culture, you have to thank Star Wars a little bit for continuing to bring it to the mainstream. Is that fair to say, Brett? Yeah, no, I, I reckon that's that's pretty fair. That's yeah. agreeable. So what I was going to ask was, my first question uh, what was one, some of the more represented either characters or properties at this? First of all, can you give me a rough estimate of how big the convention was? I mean, you're talking a thousand, ten thousand. I mean, like roughly how many people do you think were at this convention? Uh, I'm just saying, is it in the hundreds good. or the thousands at least? I uh, probably it would be over a thousand. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so we'll say a couple thousand people. Any. We'll say a couple thousand people. If it's half up, yeah. giant big hotel, we'll say a couple thousand people maybe. Because not everyone's staying there, obviously. Um, so, what, what were some of the more represented uh, uh, cosplay outfits that you were expecting? And what were some of the more represented ones that maybe you weren't expecting? Well, I definitely expect Harley's. Harley is probably the biggest cosplay thing, and that's because of Suicide Squad. It's just gone whoop, straight up there. A lot of different Harleys. Um I didn't expect to see... And who doesn't want to look like Margot Robbie? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I know. Who doesn't want to look like an Australian? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Chris Hemsworth? Uh, Liam Hemsworth? Yeah. Uh, totally. Hugh Jackman? Uh. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I could actually do... I could pull off not the handsomeness, but with the short hair... I actually... My short hair looks very similar to the, the Thor short hair. And I've got the facial hair, yeah. and I could do the paint on my face. I think I could pull off with the right costume uh, the new Thor look. But go ahead. Yeah, um, probably the least expected. Um, I found a Lilo from Lilo and Stitch, which is really cute. Yeah, hell she yeah. had a giant plush, but she was just she. When I approached her, she was like, "I'm not really in cosplay. Disney, this baby. is just a dress I bought." <laughs> so she had a, a a dress that was just a dress she wears so it's not even in, in cosplay but she looked really good so yeah, i'm like no. oh, i want you in the video anyway <laughs> hell yeah yeah um okay so but uh, okay but if you have star trek star wars dc marvel anime 
which of the major properties were you mostly impressed by either just by numbers or by like quality probably game game Uh, oh game of thrones i met no 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 games like i met an aloy oh video games lara croft video games i met um the guy from overwatch which is basically a half step from anime go ahead yeah 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 pretty much yeah all of them were incredible they were really really good um all three of them make it into the cosplay video i'm just talking so i i uh i uh i well yeah um i made my mom um i so i basically yeah i told you i hate presents and so I, to, you know, I always tell my parents, you know, you take me out to dinner, we'll see a movie. That's present enough. You guys yeah. do enough for me. You know, they help me with my healthcare yeah. bills. They help pay my rent when I'm between jobs. Like that's more than enough. Um, and I told my mom, I'm like, watch Ex Machina as a lead up to Blade Runner. I'm going to make you watch two really dark cyberpunk movies, two nights in a row that you normally would never watch. And that will be my birthday yeah. present. And she did it. And she had to watch it on her Fair iPad enough. because she didn't even get, she can't get Amazon on her TV. So she watched Ex Machina on her iPad. She watched the whole thing, and she was happy that it was less disturbing than she was expecting. And I kept telling her it was going to be less disturbing than she was expecting, but uh. we talked a lot about it. And we're at Blade Runner tonight. I don't think I mentioned this because this was before we started recording today, Brett. Uh, I finally saw I saw the Tomb Raider trailer on the big screen, and it I, honestly, I, I I was not excited enough in our our video. Although I will say, they're definitely like the first thirty twenty thirty minutes is set up exactly like the Jin or so dad story in Rogue One. I mean. Mm. It, with the nickname and the video and the secret code word and you know i think he calls her sprout it's like stardust you know i mean uh, which i love you know and uh, actually people if you're watching my video feed uh you will see sabine uh with her graffiti art in the foreground blocking my giant white microphone and you will see i finally put Jin and ray and bb8 next to each other where they belong i don't know why it took me so long so that's what you're seeing in the background there uh my mom was like couldn't believe that was the same woman that it was alicia vikander i mean she just looks so different um so what do you think let's hone in on that brett because this actually feeds directly from our last podcast (laughs) so you grew up watching your brother's or brother play tomb raider right yeah so but kids who are even much younger like what is their attachment because tomb raider sold well in the reboot the last couple of years but it didn't sell horizon zero dawn uncharted call of duty well and so is this one of this is this a case of we're having so many years in a row of cosplay being a thing that people are cosplaying based on previous cosplays if that makes sense do you know what i'm saying as opposed to yeah yeah yeah, well, they, that's the thing. Everyone, who, the majority of people who go to um, conventions generally are diehard nerds in some aspects. Doesn't have to be, you know, across everything, but you know, a little bit, a little bit. So probably all the diehards of Tomb Raider were at that convention. But I think just thinking of the movie, considering if the game didn't do that well, if the um, because there's such a time gap. Oh, between the game the did great. Games the game did great. I'm just saying, it sounds like the level of cosplay isn't representative of units sold, which is which I love that 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 the people who love the property really love the property, just like Aloy yeah. and Horizon. I mean, the thing is, Horizon Zero Dawn. There's no way it should have sold 10 plus million copies, but it did. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's an incredible game. I think it did. It's 
Have you played it yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played it with my friend. I just don't own it. I want to own it so I can 90% it or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I'm not saying it did better than it deserved to do. I'm saying it did better than expectations of a, you know, story, single player, female only campaign based on market figures. Basically, it outsold all Tomb Raider products. So that's just says it right there. You would never expect that to happen mm. with an unknown property. Um, well, maybe now is the time for those sorts of properties to ride the wave that Wonder Woman brought and that all the things like Hunger Games and Divergent have brought about. Maybe now is the time for solo female-led things. Yeah, and there's you know there's a there's a, th- uh, a couple movies called Force Awakens and Rogue One uh, with Daisy Ridley and Felicity Jones that made three billion dollars with strong female characters as leads. But you know I'm just throwing that in there. Yeah, you know, I'm just they go without saying, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they never go without saying. Um, but uh, speaking of strong female characters, quick public service announcement. By the time you hear this, this will probably have happened. But just in case I release this on Monday, if it's Monday right now, guys, tonight, Supergirl Season 3 premiere on CW, 8 o'clock. Get your DVRs. I think, Brittany, this is going to be an amazing season of television. And I haven't read or watched anything about Supergirl. Um, a, are you excited about the new season? And B, was there any Supergirl or CW representation at the convention? Um, oh, sorry. I'm trying to do a Supergirl symbol for the camera. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Um, was there a Supergirl at the convention? I don't think there was. I don't think there was much CW at all. Really? May- no arrows? No, there was, arrows such an there easy was costume. There was Arrow and there was Canaries, but there weren't – I didn't see any Flash and I didn't see um, Supergirl. But there were comic book – there was a comic book Arrow, there were comic book you know, adaptations, but not of Supergirl. I don't think I saw anyone in Supergirl. By the way, uh, I have to say this because, you know, I love Stephen Amell. Uh, His Twitter posts are great. He tries to avoid controversy, but as, as a father of, of a young girl, I think he's a young girl, a young boy. I could be wrong. Um, and just a good guy. He can't stay out of the nonsense that's going on. On He's a Canadian, but obviously their fate is tied up with ours as Americans. And, uh, I don't know, you know how we have, we have American football, the NFL, and the first, the very first weekend during the national anthem, pretty much all of the players, black and white on all the teams, took a knee or didn't even come mm. out during the national anthem as a, as a sign of unity and protest. Yeah, which, that's actually, I've been hearing about that here, so I don't know about the normal media, but I, the guy I watch, Philip DeFranco, he's been talking about it a lot as well. Well, and keep in mind that the NFL is about two-thirds black, one-third white, but most of them come from the middle of the country, like Texas and the South and the Midwest. And so Ooh. even the black players tend not to be super liberal. Like in, in, in basketball, they're all from the inner city, and so they're all big Democrats and, you know, LeBron's a mm. giant Obama and Hillary supporter and so forth. But in football, they tend to be conservative, even the black players. And so this was a big deal. And even the owners, even owners who had given money to Trump came out that day to criticize his reaction to the whole thing. 
But uh, yeah. as, as this was all going on, um, and Stephen Amell actually likes it, the NFL, even though he's a Canadian, he says, uh, he's like, as soon as I wrap this season, I'm headed to Parliament to make sure we get every NFL game broadcast on all the CBC networks <laughs> over the next year. Like, he was so passionate about the whole thing. He was really excited. Uh, and so I, I appreciated that because he does go out of his way, unlike a lot of actors, to... to stay out of the fray but even he mm. it's just you know it, it's when you're living in north america right now it's it's just absolutely brutal um did you were there any political uh statements or themes or anything going on at the convention either over current yeah, or undercurrent actually, yeah the the biggest it was just out front right there if uh have you heard about the amazing postal vote we are doing well, there is it's not even legally binding. It is just a huge political survey to say whether or not the individual agrees with gay marriage. Uh, and although yes, this needs to be done. Like I mean, we just got to get we it has it has to happen. I mean, people are putting so much thought into gay marriage that there are so many things that are being forgotten. It's kind of like just get it over and done with. But um, there was a lot of posters and stuff about the yes vote. However, I kind of just like to keep politics off entertainment. So I personally don't get involved in all that on uh, any of my social media and stuff. Because it just, it opens a can of worm that's not, it's not good unless you're discussing it with someone who is a close friend. Yeah. I would assume. So... Mm. Even Trump isn't trying to repeal gay marriage, although they're doing tons of work making abortion very difficult in this country, um, which is really interesting because statistics show the more illegal you make abortions, the more they happen. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood is like enemy number one of the Republican Party in this country, just for giving contraception and doing illegal abortions, whatever, but... Gay marriage, there's enough states at this point. And most of the state governments aren't listening to Trump. Uh, and the fact that Trump has tried three times to repeal Obamacare health care and has failed all three times also means they haven't gotten anything else done. So as horrifying as it seems on the outside, Trump has actually done nothing other than m- make people really angry. Um, has he started the wall yet? Maybe he bought a brick. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I mean... He, <laughs> He's so in debt himself. He's going to jail after this is all over. I think that's part of why he's doing what he's doing. But, um, uh, but anyways, but so, you know, I, I, I sometimes listen to Steel Saunders, uh, who does this, uh, who's an Australian guy who does a Star Wars podcast. And I'm not really sure what his deal is because sometimes he's in LA and sometimes he's in Australia, but he definitely knows like, executives at, at Star Wars, like Pablo Hidalgo and Dave Filoni, like the high ups, um, and has interviewed them. He's interviewed Ryan Johnson. Like he has some ends, at least in the Star Wars Disney scene. Um, but he's a white guy from Australia. And, uh, I think he's from Melbourne actually. Um, I need to double check that, but he's a little older than me. You know, he's maybe like 40 or early forties. So he's kind of like, He's liberal, but he's still kind of just like a almost middle-aged white guy. I hate to say middle-aged, but you know what I mean. He's like an older white dude. And he he finds himself making statements that are either accidentally sexist sometimes or he thinks are, and he's self-conscious about it, and he's very open about talking about his failings on this on that particular issue on the podcast. 
and it's it, it is interesting to hear because the way he talks about it is similar to how someone from the south who is liberal but grew up in a sexist environment with you know what i mean mm. like for example it's, like like in this country it's it's under debate whether we should refer to group of groups of people as guys um and it's mostly accepted that it's okay to call mixed group guys yeah go ahead I, I find that that's getting into the realm of things that I feel that is a bit ludicrous because it's sort of like if we can just – that doesn't matter. What we should be focusing on is the actual yeah. sexist and racist stuff. This yeah. isn't because you can get racist – and this is another level as well. You have actual racism and sexism. You have people who are not racist or sexist, right. but they might say racist or sexist things. Right. I say things. I don't mean to be or like say those sorts of things. It, it Sometimes it's just – I don't know. Like I just don't think. I'm human. I'm stupid sometimes. It happens. But you, we have become a society that yeah. is quite unforgiving and will yeah. – contact the person's employer and say, fire them. They said this thing. And it's like, can you just let this person breathe, realize their mistake and explain it? Uh, no, I think it's an important point because wh- what I'm trying to say is Steele is hard, harder on himself than he should be. He's not mm-hmm. being called out for these things. He's self-conscious about it. Um, and, and interacting with, uh, ho- you know, b- moving to Hollywood even briefly you know, who are the most liberal people in the country in LA, you know, he felt, I think a little self-conscious because we're so politically correct here. And so he was trying really hard to be genuine, but not politically incorrect. And he almost never goes over the line, but he's very self-conscious about it. So it's just interesting getting to know you and and hearing his podcast, you know, because he's 20 years older than you, you know, and he's a, Mm. he's a dude. Um, but you know, he really wants to do right by everybody, but he's almost, he, and by the way, he, even though he's not Jewish, obviously still signers from Australia, he's a huge Seinfeld fan, which endears me to him to no end because, because Seinfeld, in my mind, is still the most brilliant comedy ever, and he's constantly quoting Seinfeld, and he's very neurotic in sort of the Seinfeldian Jewish sense, and he's open about it, so he's overly neurotic, and so uh, we definitely want to give credit to people who are self-critical and self-judgmental. And and this was all to loop back to the talk about, you know, conventions in Australia versus the U.S. are one more, you know, weird than other for for women to be at. You're at a fairly small one. I'd be really uh, interested to hear um, what your experience would be like at a a, a very giant one um, uh, going forward. Um, So when you're at sort of like a mid-sized convention in Australia, how does the guest booking work? Do they focus on a couple of shows that they think are are popular and really try and get those actors out? Do they just take whoever they can get? Like, what was your impression of the booking of the talent um, who appeared at panels and signings and so forth? With um, Comic-Con, the, the, just the one I just went to, I think they, they really, I think they would have really fought for Jenna Coleman, who's a Doctor Who star, and Jason Momoa. I feel like they really fought for them. And they did get a few other stars um, from uh, Teen Wolf and one person who's in Teen Wolf also from Mortal Kombat, those Who? wonderful films. Who? I almost feel like some Who? of those stars. What's the name? I can't remember the name. I can't remember. Who's the, the Hawaiian guy that was in Teen Wolf? That's the only guy I know from that show. I don't watch Teen Ke- Wolf. Keanu, Kila, Hulu, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, okay, go ahead. 
Anyway, but um, I feel like, I don't know, like they tried to get big stars, but they kind of, maybe they just got those two big stars and then maybe it's a money scheme. I actually, I'm not sure. However, I feel like they had bigger stars at Supernova in Brisbane. Dude, Jason Momoa Sunday, is a huge get uh, for a small to mid-sized he is, convention. He is a huge yeah. star. Anyway. However, they probably had a more level list of stars at the Gold Coast Supernova, I should say. Yep. So, let me hang on. Well, I'll have a while, look. While you're having a look, can I just bring up something? Which is that sure. the conventions that the hardcore nerds like now, because like I said, San Diego Comic-Con is like 200,000 people. It's very expensive and there's a lot of commercialism around it and so forth. So it's spreading out. The real nerds like going to the conventions where the famous nerds like Joss Whedon and Felicia Day are hanging out at. The, the, the real nerds don't care about the giant stars. And so it actually works out well for everybody. If you want to mm. see... And this is why everything's spinning off. Like now Star Wars doesn't need to have huge Comic-Con because they've got Star Wars Celebration both here and in Europe. So if you really want to see the Star Wars stars, you go to Star Wars Celebration and you can see them there, you know. But if you're just a nerd who wants to cosplay, meet podcasters and some cool famous nerds like Will Wheaton, then you go to something like Dragon Con uh, in Atlanta or Phoenix, Arizona. We don't really get that much <laughs> a choice it's kind of like you have uh comic-con supernova and eb games the eb games expo what's well, a lot to travel i mean i could speak from the music perspective do you know how much a jazz artist like herbie hancock gets paid or chick Corea gets paid to play uh like a jazz house in sydney do you have any idea no idea like two hundred thousand dollars a show or something like that Jay. a jazz artist Okay, I mean, yep. I mean, I'm talking about Chick Corea, Herb Hancock, who are two of the ten best ever, who are still playing. But still, that's a lot of fucking money. Even if you're like a mid level band, you're getting paid anywhere from three to ten times as much money to play in New Zealand, Australia, and China as you get paid anywhere else because of the travel. Oh, and that actor was Lyndon Ashby. Mm-hmm. But we also had um, one of the other bigger names that we had was was that voice actor paul edding Iding. paul Iding. i don't know he is a voice actor for i think he's on ben 10 he plays the grandpa but he's done uh radio things he's been a part of finding nemo wally monsters inc up cars bugs life monsters you okay uh so let's let, let, let's focus this to of the stars, big or small, because by the way, you know, I'm a huge fan of voice actors who most people haven't heard of. So to me, they're just as important as the Jason Momoa's of the world. Uh, and, and usually those, the smaller stars give you better information and more information and stuff because they're not mm. surrounded by entourages and told that they're not signing non-disclosure agreements. You know, Jason Momoa yeah. probably can't talk about anything substantive about Aquaman or Justice League or so forth. We actually got that from Nicholas Scott, who is an artist for the Wonder Woman comments, comics. Yes. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Nicholas Scott, uh, artist, by the way, she's not just an artist of the Wonder Woman comics. She's an artist from the re- the new Rebirth reboot, which completely was launched in conjunction with the movie and is excellent. Mm. It is definitely the best rebirth I've read was the main introduction to, well, I want to get there. The main introduction to wonder (laughs) woman was when I was in Europe with my dad, I started, we were in the Netherlands or some good comic book stores there in Amsterdam. And I got some of the rebirth wonder woman comic books 
and written by um, uh, Greg Rucka, who, as male writers go, did a great job, I thought, and, and, and the, the, both the female writers and artists of the series were excellent. Also, Gail Simone, who's done some excellent Batgirl, has done some really good Wonder Woman in the past as well. Um, so why don't we talk about Nicholas Scott as an example of someone who is, you know, who's, who's more of a celebrity to you than the general population and to me, but... I should say is more of a celebrity to me and you than the general population, but you get more out of them. Probably. I assume I actually haven't heard the story of Bizzle Caster. So tell, yeah. t- tell me the Nicholas Scott story. I'm really interested about that. So here's the thing. It's she, my friend Jackie was a huge fan of her. So I didn't know the name, but you got Jackie into um, Wonder Woman. So I did. So, so that's the was thing. Jackie I a nerd before you getting her into Wonder Woman? No. This is the question I always mean to ask you. I, I got I sucked her in. I oh, said you'd nice like work. Wonder Woman, and she did. And she's I'm giving now you a like, high five on the, the uh, on, on my camera right now. High five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. So we, you can see at the start of my vlog on my channel is that we're we're leaving the media room and we're actually discussing. Okay, we're on the floor. We're going to do this, and we're going to see Nicholas Scott. Um, which was really great. We just wandered about. We came about to ten thirty, I think. And we were just walking around and Jackie's like, that's Nicholas Scott's booth. That's her booth. And it's way on the other side of like the photo and signing area, completely separate. No one is around her table. Everyone else is looking at the different art and fan art. And so Jackie's just pointing at it and says, that's Nicholas Scott. I'm like, yeah, wow, go up and talk to her. She's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to annoy her. I'm like, Jackie. Go up and talk to her. No, 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 no. So I walk over. Jackie has to follow me. And I say, uh, I love hi. friends like you. My friend's a really big fan. She's too nervous to say hi. I love her. I pretty much just say that. I don't sugarcoat it. Poor Jackie. And then Nicholas got turns to Jackie and they end up having a wonderful conversation. Aww. Starting with just the, um, the image of Wonder Woman on Jackie's t-shirt. Which didn't come from a comic book. Jackie was wondering where it came from. And Nicola was just like, no, it's not from a comic book. It's actually from... A coloring book. So this image was in a coloring book and it was also on a lolly or chocolate bar wrapper that uh, that was out when she uh, Nicholas Scott was growing up. And she would she had this chocolate bar and then carefully opened it and kept the wrapper so it'd be like a paper doll. Interesting. Yeah, and we got that just from standing there and having a talk and while we were talking, all of a sudden people decided to show up and be interested. And we were like, okay, we better let you go. And we walked away after even her showing her and her friend showed us photos of them at the premiere of Wonder Woman with like getting photos of Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. So <laughs> that was incredible. We're walking around and I'm like, Jackie, you really should get something signed by her. She's like, yeah, no, totally. I've, I've, had, I've chatted with her, you know, I don't have anything to get signed. I'm like, that's fine. We'll just we'll go back to that comic book store we were at. We'll find a comic book and we'll get it signed. <laughs> She's like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to bother her. And I'm like, Jackie, I will buy you the comic. I will get it signed, and you can have it. So I practically forced her to buy this comic, You're which was significantly upriced. You're a great friend. Hugely upriced. Usually we pay like seven dollars for a single issue. This was like around twenty dollars. So <laughs> we got this single issue written, uh, sorry, drawn by um, Nicholas Scott. Yeah. And we finally went back there. 
you got it signed. And she was so happy. She was so excited. Again, you can see her reaction when, um, when we're sitting down for a break. But it was just, it was really nice to meet someone who was so easy to talk to and who was in the industry. She gave some good tips as well when we went to her panel at 11 o'clock. That's interesting. I mean, as much of a nerd as I am, you know I'm more of a Star Trek Star Wars guy than a DC Marvel yeah. guy. But, you know, I grew up on Marvel. Um, I think other than Stan Lee, bless his heart, and Jack Kirby, rest in peace, um, other than like the classic guys, I think the only comic book writers I would nerd out that level for would be Chris Claremont, who really took the X-Men to the next level in the 80s, basically. In early nineties, uh, I mean, he wrote Days of Future Past. He wrote the Phoenix Saga, which is the next X Men movie. Um, he's actually wrote most of the plots that they've used in the X Men and Wolverine movies so far. He wrote the Wolverine with Frank Miller, actually, um, the original Wolverine. Uh, I'm not a hard, I'm not a hardcore enough fan of the the Frank Miller scene or um, uh, what's his name, Watchmen. Um, uh what's his face alan moore um you know i'm not like a huge like alan moore frank miller fan. are you there hello yeah i'm here oh, I'm, you're just, there. I'm just listening oh yeah well i was hoping you would correct me on the, the alan moore thing um no i've got i'm terrible with oh, okay um, names. okay okay but you know who i'm talking about no, i'm Watch actually me. terrible with names yeah 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 who are you again <laughs> yeah exactly um so uh um, so close, but I, I think Brian Michael Bendis just for creating Jessica Jones, I think, um, you know, and I don't even mm-hmm. like everything Brian Michael Bendis has done, but for an almost middle-aged man who's been writing comic books forever to come up with the character of Jessica Jones, uh, I would love to pick his brain about that. Um, I don't normally get starstruck, honestly. And in the music business, I met some, even though I was on the fringes a little bit with the African music stuff, we did start working in hip hop and rock and things. And so I did meet some people. I think the most starstruck was meeting members of the roots. I don't know if anyone even listens to the roots and, uh, in Australia, hip hop, amazing hip hop band Name that's been sounds around. Familiar. Quest Love with the giant afro and the thing in his hair. Um, you but, know, you've probably sent me their music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I, it doesn't normally. I don't normally get starstruck, or it's like Daisy Ridley, and I'm not even going to try. I mean, even if I had the patience to wait in a three hour line, like I would be just. I, I could never talk to you know Daisy Ridley or or. Um, you know, uh, you know, and you just, it, you just need me to drag you up there. Drag you say, hey, exactly. You're an amazing my friend. friend. You're amazing friend to make her do it. So, so <laughs> here's what I'm so fascinated by is she wasn't a nerd. She wasn't in comic books. And now she's so into it that she actually knows the art, the artists of yeah, comic books. She knows more about artists more than I do. So what are her other interests that led into this? I'm fascinated about this because she's, yeah, she's very much, um, she, her dad was our film and TV teacher, so she's had a great introduction to oh. the pop culture world with television. Um, she has a lot of memorabilia to do with The Wizard of Oz. Oh. Uh, so she likes musicals and stuff as I well. I The Wizard of Oz, yeah. Yeah. She, um, for, for her 18th, I think, because I do wood burning as well every now and then, she loves Les Mis, like, loves Les Mis. Okay, she's going to be so on the podcast. I, <laughs> Does she know I did a I full-length burned. Les Mis commentary, play-by-play of the entire movie that did really oh, well no, online? Oh, no, that long. Anyway. So you guys the, could watch I, it. You guys could literally watch it and listen to my commentary. You won't believe it. <laughs> you'll, I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Go ahead. I ended up um, burning the first 
piano score, the first page of the piano score for Empty Chairs and Empty Tables on um, some wood and giving it to her for her birthday. Because no matter how she listens to the song, she tears up. Yeah. The, um, pro- the problem is I studied that song when I was in high school. So I have no emotional connection to that song. Right. Like, so you want to know the, the moment where thing. I fell in love with Eddie Redmayne? That's it. <laughs> That's it. That was yeah. my first See, true man crush bromance moment. When he sang Empty Chairs, Empty Chairs, that was when I first was like, okay, I'm not going to hide anymore that there are some male actors that I kind of have a thing yeah. for. That was the moment. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so when I was in high school, I actually, uh, we did musicals, so I decided to review that song. And because I was I was crying and I was whatever the whole way through the film of Les Mis, but when it came to that song, I just sat there like, wow, yeah, he's doing a really good job. No. And then the, the little boy's death ever. afterwards. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. How do you do? My name's Gavrosh. These are my people. Here's my... Oh, my God. It's so good. I actually think the Eddie Redmayne Empty Chairs is way better than the original cast version because it was in one take and they go right on his face. He's looking directly into the camera, which you never see in Hollywood films. That's why I love they did all live music with Les Mis and they went Mm. right up on their face. That whole Anne Hathaway take. Anne Hathaway didn't win because it was a great performance. Anne Hathaway won because it was a great performance and it was one take. They did the entire yeah. that entire thing, including sleeping with the sailor. They never moved the camera the entire time. It was amazing. So, God, oh, oh man, your friend sounds awesome, but she also sounds way too shy to come on the podcast. <laughs> I could probably I could chat to her. Yeah, I mean, she's done DC it. domination. Yeah. Well, but, I'm um, always interested in interviewing non-nerds about nerd stuff because mm. you and I see eye to eye on most. I mean, how many things? Honestly, in our five or six podcasts, Brittany, how many major things have we disagreed upon? Other than Batman v Superman is really the only one I can think of. I think there was something else, but I just can't put my finger on it. I mean, like, obviously it was not so horrible. Well, you liked Luke Cage more than me. You were able to watch Iron Fist, even though you didn't love Mm. it. Um, Oh, I had to drag myself through it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, I agree. I don't like Jared Leto either, so we don't disagree on that. Um, Mm. Yeah. So, Nicholas Scott, that's awesome. I, I can't recommend enough people. If you saw the Wonder Woman film and you want to read some comics, but like you're not willing to go back deep into the archives and pay tons of money, which I totally understand, read the number 1 through 25 Rebirth. That's specifically a number 1 through 25. They're continuing it, but that was with Nicholas Scott, Greg Rucka, and their team doing two parallel Wonder Woman storylines as part of the rebirth cycle, which is very similar to the movie, but takes place in the modern day, but expands on the mythology a lot. And you meet Cheetah and some of these other characters that you don't get to see yet in the movie. Brittany, I think we're going to see Cheetah for sure. And, um, absolutely in the sequel it seems impossible especially being in the jungles in africa and during the cold war it seems impossible we Mm. won't see that Um, cheetah is a huge like player with wonder woman because they used to be friends that's the history between them they were friends and and now it's like this huge what is it fissure between their relationship okay cheetah is a villain so predictions that that will that are obvious. We're gonna get flashbacks both about Chris Pine and Themyscira. Uh, by the way, Robin Wright was great in Blade Runner, but it definitely was not nearly as epic of a role as Antiope. Um, mm. 
Mm. Uh, it was somewhat of a similar character, but uh, it, she was great in the movie. She's one of the more three-dimensional character side characters in the film. Um, I think if it takes place in the early 80s or the late 70s, Etta Candy will be still alive, and they're going to do some makeup, and they're going to do what they did with Peggy Carter a little bit in Captain My America heart. and the Winter Soldier. I knew you'd like this, but I do think so. <laughs> I think if there's any way they can make the makeup... Because the thing about... Um, what's her name who plays Etta Candy is that you have no idea what her true age is. She just mm. has one of those, you know, she has like a very like wrinkle-free, like she's got great skin and she's got a great smile. Like, is she 40? Is she 25 and just slightly overweight? Like, you know, uh, mm. and, and you've seen her in real life. She looks completely different. And if you've seen her, completely on, different. And if you've seen her on The Office, so she's a chameleon. And what would they do with makeup and CGI these days? I would be shocked if they don't at least try to make Etta Candy an actual character in the main timeline uh, in the new Wonder Woman movie. Mm. We've, um, we've seen the technology with Ant-Man. I mean, making and Iron um, Man, Hank and, Pym. Yeah. yeah. Well, Iron Man was a little... I couldn't quite warm to that that young... Yeah, the Michael Douglas Stark. thing was bizarre. But that was making them younger. I would point to Peggy Carter in Captain America and the Winter Soldier um, mm, when she's in the bed older. and she's having um, Alzheimer's. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. Where they, oh. they have the whole conversation and then all of a sudden her mind resets and she's like, Steve... Steve, is that you? Like after they had the whole conversation, mm. it's so sad. That was one hundred percent CGI, hundred percent. Yeah, well, they had an old woman. I think how it worked is they had someone, an old woman, in the bed, but they put Peggy Carter's face, motion cap or something, over the lady's face. I think that's how they did it. No, no, it was Haley Atwell. I've trust me, I've I've studied this extensively. They they put Haley Atwell in there for the full performance. That's why her eyes look so real. It's her. They, mm. That's why they didn't move her face. They had her her head on the side of the pillow, and they had her move as little as possible, other than her eyes and her mouth. And they just put it over the top. Um, so I think we're going to see Eddie Candy in Wonder Woman too. So okay, speaking of Wonder Woman two, you know. <laughs> determining my enthusiasm for the justice league Brittany, right now is like determining the humidity outside each day you know it, it's <laughs> i have to look it up online and see what's going on because i can't determine for myself i will say the promotional materials that have been created in the last two to three months are heavily wonder woman centric i mean mm -hmm. they've started moving batman to the side and wonder woman to the front which should have happened earlier but at least they're adjusting now so my guess is even more than that last trailer where she starts off the trailer in the art museum stopping the robbers or whatever, this is going to be even more at Wonder Woman centric trailer. I, I would have to think coming out. So two part question. Sorry. Jason Momoa went to Australia yeah. and you were within shooting distance of him. Not that you shoot. Yeah. That's a saying here. Um, and probably not a very good saying i know but we're americans and we love our fucking guns that's the whole fucking problem um it's easier to get guns than it is to get prescription medications in this country actually um but we, uh, we have yeah. a different we have spitting distance we, we say that's, spitting, that's what polite people say here is spitting distance yeah um but uh so jason momoa yeah who's like in the hemsworth category of so uh, sexually manly that it's overwhelming even for a straight guy Beyond. that's not into it um <laughs> and did you get any new feelings about the future of the dceu from his presence 
<laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, like, all right, let me tell you how far away this is. This is crazy. But there are so many agent restrictions with cameras and filming. La 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 la. So, did he do a panel? What can you just lay out like what he actually did no. there? He just signed autographs. <laughs> he took and stuff. photos and signed. Yeah, things. that's lame. And it's the same that's with lame. Jenna Coleman. So yeah. with the pair of them, we could the only film Jenna them Coleman? signing. She's from Doctor Who. She's no, one of the more recent companions. Who. She was a companion. Oh God! I wish that she's also from uh, Death at Pemberley. I can't wait. I- I- I'm going to watch the new Doctor Who specifically for the lead character. <laughs> no, watch Death Comes to Pemberley, and she's the one that plays. I've tried watching the David Tennant ones. It's just too weird for me. I don't. Maybe I need oh, to stick with it. Doctor Who is just meant to be weird. That's I know. just you just got to accept it. I know. I know. See, That's Star I could Trek follow for us. David Tennant. Yeah. I could not follow Matt Smith or um, Peter Capaldi. Can't follow them. I just I can't. My brain's not quick enough. But anyway, so yes, to sorry. film these people, um, we had to go with a media representative for with Oz Comic Con. We had to go there. We had to wait for her to clear it, and then we had to stand uh, fifteen meters. So well, what's that in feet? Um, I have no idea what that's in feet. Hang on, fifteen to feet, nearly fifty feet away. Gee. Wow, that sounds a lot more. And then we were allowed to film. However, just as we started taking footage of Jason Momoa, we had a lady come out and say, no, the agent has actually said, well, you are absolutely not allowed to film. I just <laughs> so we got wish- nothing. Yeah. And then she took us over to uh, Jenna Coleman. And at this time, there are so many volunteers around, like so many of Comic-Con volunteers, and they are told absolutely no photos. Mark and I pull out our cameras to film Jenna Coleman signing things. And all of a sudden, I, I, not Mark, I am swarmed by volunteers. People going, you're not allowed to film. Put down your camera. I'm like, guys, okay. I'm right. media. I'm All with right. someone. All right. And they're like, it takes a while for each of them to get the message. And then they took so long to apologize. I didn't get any footage. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I hate the celebrity that's stuff. But So, okay. So, let's, let's make a pact right now that we don't actually have to keep. Okay. But we'll make a pact. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, I can't agree with it just yet. You got to no, know what it well, is. No, I, I'm, propo- I'm sorry. I'm proposing a pact. So when I convince my mom to go to Australia, you show. You don't have to put us up. You just show us a good time, tell us where to go, hang out a little bit because my mom loves you and she wants to go on oh. a vacation and she wants to go to Australia, and so she would love to meet you and just hang out on the beach because my mom just is that kind of. You know, she's just like she can go on the beach. beach. Yeah, I'll hang out the cafe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll be in the cafe with you. She'll be. On, she's way tanner yeah. than me. She looks com- completely different from me. She, uh, she loves getting the, the getting the rays. Okay, so that's your end of the bargain. My, yeah, I can my, show you guys around. My end of the bargain is there was just a huge announcement that the people who do New York Comic Con not only bought Philadelphia Comic Con, which was like a very subpar, and no one really went to. But next year, Philly Comic-Con is actually going to have the bigger load than New York Comic-Con because Ooh. it's getting too small and too many people and too expensive in New York. In Philly, we have a giant convention center where we can host these things. And so we're going to have maybe the biggest Northeast Comic-Con in the country next year in Philadelphia. So I am proposing that you come here. 
and we will put you up <laughs> and we'll go to the convention and we'll cover it and you get to see actual stars and actual panels and it'll be amazing Italian, I'm going to England at the end of the year. I don't know how much money oh, I'll have yeah. left. <laughs> well, we're close to England. But I'm still happy to show you guys, like, it's a cheap flight. around Gold Coast. <laughs> it's actually, it's a cheap flight. You can get a flight for, like, three, $400, actually, from England. But I forgot oh, that you were oh. going to England. Yeah, how long Remember, I have, like, all five foot eleven of me to cram into an airplane seat. I hate flying. <laughs> Would you but d- actually, yeah. I saw Momoa again. I forgot to tell you. I was sitting down... Um, so maybe I don't need to see the stars. I saw Momoa twice. I'm sitting down on after, at the end of the first day. Um, Georgia Rose, the other cosplayer, has found me. She's sitting down having a coffee with me and there's Jackie next to me. And some people on the other table pick up their camera and they're filming all these empty tables and chairs and this empty area. I'm like, what are they doing? And I have a look at where they're filming and there's Jason Momoa walking by with all his bodyguards. And I'm like, Jackie! Jackie, I'm slapping my friend. Look at Jason Momoa. We're all turning around like, oh my goodness. And then the people at the other table are looking at us like, I can't believe it. He just walked past. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably the most, that was the highlight of the first day. Interesting. It's very exciting. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, the whole celebrity thing. Yeah, I don't know. It must be, it it's, must be really tough to get people uh, overseas in general, let alone very tough. The, the other side of the planet. Um mm-hmm. But uh, it's cool that he went, you know? I wish he had done a panel. Mm-hmm. I mean, would it have killed him to do a 45-minute panel where he took qu- questions from fans? Like, well, my, that's my, the thing. My it depends what his is, agent lets him do. Well, yeah. he, Brittany, if he tells his agent he wants to do something, the agent lets him do something. Trust me. It's not hard to do, okay? He sits in a room mm-hmm. for 40 minutes and takes questions from nerd fans. And as we talked about, this community is self-regulating, and so no one's going to ask anything too untoward. And if they do, they get kicked off, you know? I mean, it rarely happens at nerd conventions because I've listened to a ton of these panels re- you know, recorded after the fact. And you rarely get people asking really controversial questions, and usually people boo them off the stage or whatever, you know? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So if I'm Jason Momoa and I'm flying halfway across the world to do this, I'm trying to do a PR event where I'm as, you know, adorable and handsome and charismatic and funny and fun as possible, the way Nathan Fillion does his panels. Um, you know, I mean, look, if Nathan Fillion is so popular that he can fill up two Comic Con rooms in a row on a Saturday and a Sunday, I don't know why Jason Momoa thinks he's above it unless he's getting bad advice from his agent. Um, so that that's disappointing to me on a number of mm. different levels. But again, it, it also, might also know. be a time constraint thing. He might have to go off and film something or go off to um, the next Comic Con. Forty I'm sure minutes, in Sydney as well. With all the flying and the traveling and the hotels and the taxis, you can't do a forty. 30 to 40 minute panel of answering <laughs> questions. I'm sorry, Brett. I don't buy that excuse whatsoever. I don't, hey, we I don't found something we disagree on. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think he's being malicious about it. And I don't no. want to completely blame his agent. I'd rather blame his agent than him. Um, mm. But it just seems ill-advised yeah. because if you want to get a... Look, all I'm saying is this. If he does Aquaman and it bombs... His career is basically done from a a big budget standpoint. So why not start making friends now and get people invested in you as a person and a character as much as possible so that there's added goodwill when it happens, right? Mm. Which is true. Yeah, go ahead. But I'm under the personal belief that no 
any celebrity, they owe me nothing. They've done their job. I didn't say they owe it to you. I'm saying this from a purely selfish standpoint for him. I'm saying from a <laughs> selfish from a, a selfish standpoint, why not make friends with the fans for 40 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's I mean, he nice clearly do. doesn't lack the confidence and self-esteem to, do, to answer those questions. So, you know, it's not like he's a shy little shutterbug, you know? I mean, like come on. It makes me mad. It makes me mad. It really makes me mad. Like don't uh, and, and that's why I don't want I'm not going to I'm not going to give celebrities credit unless they really engage the fans. Otherwise, you're just a showpiece, you know? I mean, Daisy Ridley shows up at the Star Wars events, but she doesn't say anything and she answers as few questions as possible. And from her perspective, I understand it because she knows all the spoilers. I mean, only the director yeah. and the producers know as much in Mark Hamill. It's her and Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy. They're the ones who know all the spoilers. And so she's very worried about all that. So I understand that. Jason Momoa does not all, know all the spoilers. And by the way, Wonder Woman 2 is already more bankable than Aquaman will ever be. You know, I mean, yep. so it's not like he's sitting on like a proven property as a proven actor. He's been in a, a very subpar Stargate show. He was in the first season of Game of Thrones, where I happen to like him. Most people don't like the first season of Game of Thrones, even if they like Game of Thrones. I don't like Game of Thrones, but I like the first season. I liked him in the first season, but he basically played a big, giant barbarian who grunted a lot. And then he's in a show on Netflix called Frontier, which some people say is okay, can, but nah, it's not particularly like it. good. So right now, what he has going for him is being associated with Gal Gadot, Joss Whedon and being really good looking as far as I can tell that's what he's got going for him right now is being associated with Gal Gadot basically so you know I'm not trying to insult him because I think he's a nice guy but really angers me that he would travel halfway around the world and not talk to the fans and this is one of my problems about the conventions is you know I I, I will never go to a convention based on the big stars that are there Uh, there's no Mm. way that would never be the driving force for me other than Star Wars Celebration if I could get a guaranteed seat at all the major Star Wars Celebration panels and could afford it and could guarantee it I'd probably go to the Europe one in the UK because the the Star Wars actors are much more candid over there because you know they're less judgmental and shit than here um, <laughs> but like you watch Carrie Fisher's panel in Europe it, it's so hilarious she would never do it here um, but uh, um, you know and so forth it, that would be the only one I'd go for the celebrities otherwise does this make sense to you that like it, it, no I do I do agree where you're coming from but it, well, let, let, me, let me throw the full question to you uh, which is that maybe it's a good thing that these conventions are becoming more about the convention goers than the celebrities well yeah I mean there will always be a place that's definitely always well actually I think you, you know, it's a double-edged sword there because okay. people are definitely going for the celebrities and people are also definitely going for the fan art and people are definitely going for the cosplayers. So you, you're just going to get a mixed bag, really. It's it's hard to compare, uh, not our experiences, but it's hard to compare our potential experiences because I'm no more than a five-hour flight from about three dozen Comic-Cons with tons of celebrities. So you know what I mean? So it's a luxury mm-hmm. for us in America to be like, I'm going to Dragon Con in Atlanta, and the most famous people there are David Tennant and Joss Whedon. 
you know, and it's going to be awesome because it's going to be about the fans and they're going to be interacting with the fans, you know, like the Doctor Who stars actually do really well over here because they interact with the fans. And I was joking earlier. A lot of Americans do love Doctor Who and do get it. Um, it's just me. I'm an idiot. I'll figure, <laughs> I'll figure it out eventually. Um, but you see what I'm saying? So it's a luxury. Whereas, you know, you guys... I know you're not a third world country. You're just very isolated geographically. So you only have so many conventions and so many celebrity, you know, I mean, to get Ben Affleck to Australia, I mean, he's going to be there to promote the movie probably, but maybe not. They might just go to China and that, you know, I mean, I Mm. don't even know. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you're going to be in England. You, you should really consider like the convention scene there as well, you know, because yeah. you have a we lot more access We honestly there. would not have time. We are pretty much nonstop traveling all the way up to Edinburgh. So what was your overall impression of the convention uh, culture in general? Did you meet people that you're friends with now? Mm-hmm. Was it just you and Jackie hanging out? Everyone was nice, but you just did your own thing. Like it, it was an amazing step into the community like it honestly they just this at the start of the year when i went to um supernova i really just worked with alistair and i filmed a few cosplayers and i kind of you know i said hi to a few of them that's actually where i met georgia rose who i interviewed in um this comic-con but this comic-con because i did a lot more of the talking jackie was there to take care of the social media side of things i got to meet a lot more people and to be friendly with a lot more media staff, to be a lot more chatty and get some tips and tricks from photographers and even like ask people, how did you make this? Get tips and tricks from my own cosplay. So the community for Comic-Con is phenomenal. Uh, Everything's always marked up. (laughs) It's always really expensive. Um, But it's, it's it's definitely a great if friend family friendly environment as well if that covers it yeah i just I, yeah i think at this point i would be most likely to go down the road if i have a have a l- little girl or boy um it doesn't really hold that much interest to me because the only thing there's only other than just the overall experience but from a you know, me being a podcaster and a consumer of this stuff, the only thing I can't get from the comfort of my own home is some of the secret footage they show, like the Black Panther footage, mm-hmm. for example, right? Or someone got the or Infinity when they War, air, an, but yeah, like a pilot episode and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That kind of exactly. sucks on that. But but breathing the same air as as John Boyega and Daisy Ridley. Uh, does turn me on uh, for sure but it's not enough to spend a thousand dollars for a weekend yeah so that's that's why cosplay makes it just a bit more enticing yeah because it means you're going there to meet other people who like your the the same thing that you like and to learn things uh, with this hobby and all that Mm mm-hmm so i have a couple uh cosplay uh questions for you about in terms of the properties um, again, okay. Star Wars and Star Trek are much more heavily represented over here than elsewhere in the world, I think. Um, mm. Especially Star Wars, obviously. I mean, the fact that Force Awakens made a billion dollars in the U.S. alone, it just, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I see girls on the street dressed as Rey, you know? I mean, she's totally revolutionized the entire thing. Um, did you see any gender stereotypes being broken in terms of cosplay while you were over there? Um, 
we do we do get that like i mean we have a few uh cross dressers as well who who come and they just they just cross dress because they are more accepted at cosplays and stuff um what other gender things uh because there there are boys gee. dressing up as ray which is fascinating yeah, yeah. to me yeah it's the um that's the whole idea of uh gender bent cosplay which is different to cross dressing which is an interesting thing. So gender bend is, say, if I wanted to dress up as Thor, but I'd make my costume as if Thor was a woman. Which, actually, no, that's a bad example because there is actually a lady Thor. So if I did... There's lady everything. Yeah, so you just you take the, your character that you like and you fit yeah. it to the, character, uh, the, the gender that you okay. identify as, which might be the opposite. Yes. And then, then that is gender bend. And whereas yeah. transgender is when you actually... Yeah, no, no, not transgress. A cross dress is when yeah you dress as the opposite. Yes, gender. Yeah. Okay, so um, why don't we lead us in the final part where we just talk generally about this stuff? Um, so I, I I still think Star Wars has the advantage in this category because it's getting to the point where the cool female Star Wars characters are uh, cl- uh, not equal to, but getting closer to the number of cool male uh, Star Wars characters. And as I've talked about, as we've talked about, you know, they don't talk a lot about gender in Star Wars. Like, they don't talk about Rey being a girl that much. I mean, they keep calling her that girl, but that's only for story elements, not has to do really with her gender. Gender, so they never really refer to her femininity whatsoever, and people have actually criticized it based on that, whatever. Um, whereas, I think in comic books, DC and Marvel, it's still clearly gender-based, right? I mean... I mean, DC has so many great female villains, which I think is awesome. And what I was going to say was, I think DC has the advantage on Marvel for cosplay because, as I've said before, even though I grew up a Marvel guy, DC has better individ- more better individual characters that can c- carry entire comic book lines, uh, whether good guy or bad guy, male or female, right? So Batman and Superman are still the most two most uh, famous uh characters but you also have you know harley quinn and batgirl and stuff we don't really have that in marvel yet um mm. did you did you notice decent amount of uh, of dc characters at, at the convention yeah i actually think dc and marvel won out with cosplay they the amount of like varying cosplayers that one like outweighed star wars i think i came across three cosplayers However, there were booths for Star Wars. They always have booths, but I don't know if they were, you know, the people who were there sure. weren't necessarily attendees, but more like stall runners. So I only met Darth Vader, Leia, and um, one lady who I think made up her own Star Wars character, which is in the vlog as well. I mean, sorry, the cosplay video. So due to the amount of cost, just thinking back how many dressed up as these different properties, it would have to be DC and Marvel came out on top for the, yeah, the, um, the cumulative amount. <laughs> it certainly doesn't surprise me. I mean, I'm always shocked at the Star Wars totals from Australia because compared to the population, it makes a ton of money, the new Star Wars movies in Australia mm-hmm. is making a ton of money. 
And I listen to Steel Saunders and other men and women online from Australia who love Star Wars. And so my perspective is totally skewed as to how important it is to the culture. I've always thought of it as a mostly American thing that's just managed to become a global thing. But it's it certainly, I don't think, ingrained in any culture quite like it is here. Whereas I think the comic mm. books is more universal, which is what you're kind of saying. What was yeah. what was Jackie's response to all this? Because you've been a nerd for a while. You went when you were in high school to a convention. You've been doing this for a while. Like, what was Jackie's response to this whole subculture? I'm just curious. Well, that was actually her first house Comic Con, but I didn't really like. I said for her to write an article for Novastream because it would be really interesting. But uh, uni crunch time is just around the corner, so I don't yeah. think that but might I'm be saying, a little saying, just, off. Just talking to her was she. Uh, she seemed she to really enjoy herself. No, she, no, yeah. no, she loved it. She she knew what was, you know, she knew about cosplay. She was very easily, you know, comfortably approached different people saying, hey, would you like to be part of this video? Um, she was obviously shy when actually going up to, to different, um, uh, I guess, celebrities. But, yeah, she seemed to really just slip right in. Yeah. Yeah, well, even yeah. Nicholas Scott, who only hardcore nerds know who is, he was still intimidated, which is adorable, yeah. Yeah, but she just, yeah, she fit right in, so it was really good. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I feel like there is still a tiny barrier in this country uh, for younger people. Um, like, well, people in their teens are slightly older, um, to crossing that line into, into nerddom. But the good news here mm. is that kids are starting super young. You know, yes. and like, you know, like kids now, they, they see Rogue One when they're like 12 and they're like, holy shit, I've never seen Star Wars before and this is amazing. So, yeah, and, or they're seeing, you know, the Captain America movies or something, having not grown up on the comics. Um, and so you, you, I think you have to start young for the most part. Like, I think it's really cool that you have a friend that got into it you know, quote unquote, later in life, if you will. But mm. it, it, don't you think that's still somewhat rare? You know, like, I feel like once most people hit their 20s, they're kind of set with their, their interest a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, um, for, for example, uh, halfway through last year, I think I only just played my first game of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. And it really was difficult for me to understand the game and get into it and right. understand all the different things and these guys yeah. who i was playing with had been playing it for years they're like yep i add this add this yep that's my special ability oh look at that i'm gonna do this action i'm gonna do this attack defend and i'm like okay how did you do that so fast and it took me until like even even when the campaign finished which was halfway through this no a little bit earlier than halfway through this year it just i still hadn't clicked yet so it is it's definitely difficult when later in life to get involved in different nerd cultures because you don't know where to start and you don't know who really unless unless you have a friend unless you know someone who's already in there like another example is a few years ago I played um Magic the Gathering cuz it's just something my brother got into playing and I played it with him and it was good fun and whatever needless like I didn't I didn't know but he was just like okay there's a um um, a competition happening down at the games traders at Chermside. Let's pop on down there. Like, people meet up to play these board games? What? Oh, yeah. So, it's just it's such a I great do. experience and, and getting in there, but then, like, realizing how poor my deck was yeah, against people yeah, who had yeah. flipping 
five planeswalkers and 20 dragons. I'm like, what the heck? I just have like a base pack. I've stayed away from Magic over the years just because I like board games, but that game could literally bleed you dry from a financial standpoint. Yes. Uh, I've heard it being called Cardboard Crack. Yeah, it's Cardboard Crack and... Uh, but there's in the la- about a year ago they released a Star Wars version of Magic essentially, but with dice yes! involved called I Destiny, which is so addictive and so fun, um, and is better value than Magic because you can get good decks without spending quite as much money, but still mm. drop way more money than you want to. And as a board gamer, <laughs> I've actually stayed away from collectible card games over the years because. I'd rather just pay $30, $40 for a really nice board game and then I have it and I can play it as much as possible. Yeah. Whereas the Star Wars game, I've probably dropped a couple hundred dollars on it, you know? <laughs> um, but which, yeah. but they're doing the right thing. The, 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 the company that has the Star Wars license has it for all the games and they do the right thing and they release uh, starter boxes that you can get at like Target and Walmart for like 20 30 bucks. So if mm-hmm. you're just like a Star Wars fan and a casual gamer, you can literally just drop 20 30 bucks and have like all the cards you need to like have a super fun time playing the game you don't have to be as serious um which is really smart and typical star wars but yeah those games are 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 cardboard crack absolutely and you get an ebay you're like oh i can buy two copies of this card for a dollar fifty and then like hundred dollars later you're like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely because that's what my brother found he very much got into this game he loved it his deck was amazing he had um a uh kind of like death resurrection kind of oh, yeah. situation going on where you're pulling from the and discard pile yeah yeah so that's, yep. Sabine's, had- that's Sabine's ability in the newest star wars deck is she can pull weapons any weapons from the discard pile at any time it's a great ability yeah and he summoned so many zombies oh, yeah. it just frustrated me yeah it's, it's really difficult to yeah. battle against but it's brutal. <laughs> that's well, part of the reason I got into this isn't just that it's Star Wars, but that it, since it's in its first year and they've only released two or three sets, you can get be ahead of what they call the meta, you know, the meta game, where people mm. are operating at such a high level and they've gone through thousands of cards and figured out the optimal combination for everything, you know. So, um, but yeah, I do love board games. Be one of those people. Community. Yeah, mm. I love board games. Board yeah. games are great. It's super fun. It's Can't a, say a I'm fun really community. that good at them. <laughs> Yeah, and it's diverse in terms of age and gender and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, awesome. Okay, so we have to end on a Bizzlecast-esque question, but I'll keep it quick because w- we've been on for a while. Um, we did talk off mic about recent comments from Jeff Johns where he basically said, we're not going for the super tight uh, Marvel version of the you know cinematic universe where every movie is connected so specifically and we're going to allow ourselves the freedom to do movies that are more loosely connected to the whole thing he wasn't specific about what canon meant i think everything has still got to be in canon uh in this dc universe did you read these comments did you see i know you did but i gotta ask you the question did you what did you think (laughs) did you see these comments and what did you think of them and are you does this make you more or less happy slash confident going forward that they're pursuing actually a slightly different model where it is in the same universe but they're not trying to so tightly connect everything yeah, so um, I do remember my reaction to it, but I can't remember the details of it. But um, I, I do remember looking at the, f- the freedom of it, and we can see how well that worked with, um, with Wonder Woman and Patty Jenkins being able to do pretty much whatever she wanted on, on her 
on her film and having that freedom and having her um have you seen behind the scenes of wonder woman I'm assuming no i don't have the blu-ray i just have the digital file okay. right now yeah yeah well um the behind the scenes actually show how they really took a lot of influence from renaissance paintings and you sort of see that when they do like the oh, no, historical kind of yeah i've seen yeah, that yeah. part yeah yeah so yeah. they had that freedom to do that which is aesthetically nothing like man of steel but it still is on the same path. And I kind of saw that and had this, you know, understood this sand um, sandbox idea of directors having freedom. And it just gave me so much um, hope for Batgirl. Well, that's how the comics that means, are. Yeah. Especially yeah, that's DC. How the this makes so much sense for DC. This is exactly how the DC mm. comics are. They're based on individual characters as opposed to teams. And the storylines converging happens way less than in Marvel, which I think is the selling point. And I think that's what they're going for. Mm. I could be wrong. No, no. Well, I think definitely. And th- this individualization of the different films as well is going to allow for just a great uh, distinction between DC and Marvel. Because Marvel, they're not trying anything different. And the thing is, that's works. that works, and I'm not trying to diss it or anything, because it is great. It's great popcorn films. You can sit down, you don't have to worry about X, Y, Z. Um, but the DC films are doing different things. They're looking at different styles, and I think that freedom is, yeah, going to be that distinction between the two properties. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's almost more like the Star Wars model than um, the Marvel model. And... I will say, at Star Wars Celebration, uh, they smartly had Kathleen Kennedy, uh, who runs the whole show, and Ryan Johnson, who's doing the new movie, come out together for the whole beginning part, and they actually did say some substantive things about the movies. Um, and But the first thing Kathleen Kennedy did, this was like three months ago, was thank everybody for supporting Rogue One, because she wants to do more movies like Rogue One. But if they didn't make a billion dollars on it, then it might never happen. Mm. And she made a point, even though it had nothing to do with the new movie, The Last Jedi, like literally nothing to do with the new movie and Ryan Johnson. That was the first thing she said was thanking the fans for supporting Rogue One and enjoying it because she wants to do more of those sort of standalone movies, like the Obi-Wan movie that everybody wants that's in Mm. the universe but is a standalone story, I think is a better model. Honestly, because it gets too cute with Marvel, where they're referencing things all the yeah, time. And we're going to see this with Thor. It'll be interesting to see whether Taika Waititi's filming skills and the actor's acting skills will be able to overcome the Marvelization of the whole thing leading mm-hmm. into Infinity War, right? Well, hopefully there'll be that little in-between spot. So they're not along the same lines as the Infinity like they're to the side of the Infinity War kind of storyline, I reckon, and just between that storyline and Guardians. So I feel like they will have a bit more leeway and freedom with that film, and that's going to make something really fun. I really hope it's good, otherwise I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think whether Justice League does well financially or not, and whether Justice League is received well or not, I still think Batgirl is going to be the ultimate test because as I've been Mm. saying well before these comments, as you know, they've been very clear that Batgirl will be in, but loosely connected to what's going on for the first movie, which is exactly what they should do because we want to focus on Mm. Barbara Gordon's story and we don't want it to just be an offshoot of Batman because that's lame, right? I mean, that's the whole point. She is our own hero, 
But I think the scary thing is, is because Batgirl Barbara Gordon is just on the outskirts of uh, mainstream comics. Like she's just not quite. She's no. She's not as popular as Supergirl or as um, you know Wonder Woman or no, as I Black disagree. Canary and stuff. She's definitely well, more popular just, than all of those people other than Wonder Woman in terms of comic book sales. I she, think she's in three comic books, right? Monthly comic books right now. Yeah, but that's the thing. She's in those comic books, but she doesn't I don't think she has the same amount of history as Supergirl or Wonder Woman. I think that will either make or break this film. Uh, people are probably going to see it and they're going to be like don't really know, I don't really care or people are going to be like I mean, from, this is great. This from is my dad's hero. generation who grew up watching the Adam West Batman, she was the first female superhero they'd ever seen before and it wasn't even close. Oh okay. Yeah. Um and Linda Carter came quite a bit later and was a different generation. So, you know, I I I think she's more in the public consciousness than you think and Whedon will know how to had to had to hit those buttons, I think, with because yeah. he's from I that th- generation. Yeah, I think my my the reasoning behind my thinking on this is because of the um, merchandise. You get so much Supergirl, so much Wonder Woman merchandise that it's coming out your ears. But if you go shopping for specifically Batgirl things, it's actually quite difficult. Like I I do have a lot, but that's because usually when I find a Batgirl thing, I buy it. And it doesn't matter about my budget. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, this is totally objective. You know I love Melissa Benoist and Supergirl. I'm extremely excited for the premiere and the new season. In fact, I want to rewatch some of the second season. But I think they might be losing money on that show. But because the yeah. writing and performances are so good, they keep it going because it gives them credibility. It's mm. like studios who put out, you know, for example, Lionsgate makes 90% of their money on terrible horror movies. But yeah. they also fund amazing indie films, like all of Michael Morris movies and stuff like that. And so, you know, they put out these great indie films that they know they're going to lose money on, or like the really funny and weird Anne Hathaway sci-fi movie that came out earlier this year, Colossal, uh, which like combined kaiju with like American sexist uh, tropes and all sorts of bizarreness. Uh, you know, they put out movies like that just even the actors accepting to lose money potentially uh, to, to build credibility. I don't think Supergirl's mm. making a ton of money. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I know the flash is by far has the best ratings uh, of the shows, which is uh, kind of, kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. I think honestly, Supergirl has come out on top and oh, yeah. all, the good thing is that you'd hope that because all three of them are in the same sort of like they're in CW, they got the same producer, George, George, no, Greg, Greg Grumberg. Anyway. Wait, Greg Grumberg's a producer? Really? I think he is. A comedian? Let me have a look. He's in Star Wars? In Star Trek? Yeah. He's a J.J. Abrams guy. Um, but, uh, but yeah. I oh, mean, no, sorry. That's completely wrong. Yeah, wow. Like, that was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, the thing is, I would hope that they would be able to lean on each other money-wise. Oh, yeah. No, that's the other guy. That's the other... That's the other guy with Jeff Johns. Greg, what's his name? What the hell is his name? Um, I'm trying to look it up. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll throw it in later. Uh, so, all right, Brett. Well, why don't you um, drop uh, websites, Instagrams, and so forth that the people should check out, uh, stuff that we talked about. Yeah, so um, you can follow, go onto my YouTube channel, Brit Girl, and you can find a vlog for the Comic-Con both days. You can find a short video I did for a balloon artist who was just sitting out the front, and I thought his colors were spectacular in that light, <laughs> and a, um, a Spider-Man who I just happened to have enough 
uh, footage for to make his own video. Um, there is also t- the two interviews, one with a fan artist, one with a cosplayer on the Novastream network that is on Facebook and on YouTube. And there's also the cosplay video also on uh, also on Facebook and YouTube. Awesome. Well, you'll, have to, you'll have to pick out a cool photo to use for the... Uh, the uh the cover of this one um but you could use that photo where i'm making that funny face that's a good one that's a good one uh cool well great to hear about your experience i uh i'll be honest i don't think it pushed me one way or another in terms of deciding whether i want to go to a comic-con uh the fact that new york comic-con is basically coming to philadelphia next year is going to make it extremely hard for me not to go because I don't need to mm. pay for a hotel and they're going to have some pretty good guests. And I mean, guests, I don't mean like super famous people. I mean like nerd heroes, you know, who will be mingling with the crowd. Have you seen the videos by the way of Lupita at the comic con when she was at comic con? Did she dress up as the pink ranger? She dressed up as the pink ranger one day and she yeah. dressed up as something else another day. And she had someone follow her around like a camera phone interacting with people yeah. who had no idea that it was Lupita, which I thought was awesome. By the way, the name is Greg Berlanti. Berlanti, right. It's Berlanti. Yeah. That's the other guy. So uh, I like the brain trust at DC. I really do. Um, mm. I trust them more than Kevin Feige, to be honest with you at this point. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see what, what comes down the pike. So, all right. Well, um, do you think you're going to do a reaction video to the Justice League trailer? Was my last question. I will certainly aim to. Okay. And I hear the Star Wars one isn't too far behind. So yes. I'm not sure if I could fit two in, but I can try and fit two in. Well, if you can do one or either or both, I would love if you would just post them directly to the Bizzlecast Facebook page. Um, and give you all my views? Never. <laughs> no, you share the link from the other page. Do I have to explain this to you? I'm like a million years old. <laughs> <laughs> you link to your Facebook page on yeah, the yeah, Bizzlecast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're messing with me. Old man Brenner, 36 years old. Brittany, I appreciate you uh, uh, being here. Uh, I guess Happy it's a couple, couple hours past my birthday, but this was a lot of fun. I was excited to have you on. Um, I'm thinking six weeks from now will be our next big podcast because we will have seen Thor and Justice. Well, here's the I'll thing. I'll be in London. How long are you there for? I am there from the 27th of October till the 25th of November. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's smack bang in the middle. It's not like you can't call in from your phone on Skype. I don't care. You know, I can deal with I, this. I, don't, I won't have three hours. Okay. Well, anyways, when you get back to Australia, we'll have to have a discussion. Maybe it's better this way anyways, because we'll see Thor mm. and Justice League, and we'll have some time to discuss, to sit on it. Because that'll when, by the time you get back, it'll be those two movies will have been out, but the Star Wars movie will not have come out yet. Yeah. Um, by the way, I don't know if you heard, they're postponing the Punisher series indefinitely because of the shootings, which is very smart move by uh, Marvel and yeah. Disney because it's a pretty disturbing character when it comes to shooting guns, which definitely I, I was, even though I love John Bernthal, John Bernthal, I was never a big fan of this getting its own series in the first place for this exact reason. So I'm glad they're postponing it because the romanticization of guns is not cool and it happens a lot in this country, but definitely Justice League and Thor. So, all right. Well, I'm sure you and I will talk online before it happens, but officially yeah. from the Bizzlecast, good luck on your trip. And we look forward to hearing on the Bizzlecast how it went when you get back.
Well, I appreciate it a lot. I think I think I'm going to fit in. I think it's going to be a great little trip. <laughs> just try, just talk like Keira Knightley or Daisy Ridley, and you'll be fine. Talk like Keira Knightley. Oh, that sounds terrible. That's not Keira Knightley at all. <laughs> what does she sound like? I don't know. You sound like Daisy Ridley though, to be so go go for the Daisy Ridley. Daisy, is that okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm I'll waiting for my family. <laughs> I'm waiting for my family. This is a ship that traveled across half the space in 12 parsecs or whatever this crazy bloody thing is. Quote, damn it. <laughs> I bypassed the compressor. Um, I bypassed the compressor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she's adorable. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Brick Girl. This was really fun. As always, Bizzlecast listeners, check out the links below in the podcast. You'll be hearing from me soon and a lot with my daily Star Wars Rebels, Bizzle's Daily Rebels. And uh, yeah, we'll be hearing from you soon. Thanks again, Brick Girl. That's all right. And don't forget to say happy birthday to Jesse. Oh, thanks. The Bizzle. You're the sweetest. The Bizzle. The Bizzle. The Bizzle. The Bizzle. <laughs> all right, people. This has been the Bizzlecast, and we are out.